because we only have one rule on this team. What is that rule, Twiggy? ELE. That's right, ELE. What does ELE stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. Got that, Monix? Nope. Great. Because this isn't just a basketball team. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. We're presented by John Boy Media. All right, it's vacation week for us. We did our 4th of July mailback on Friday. It's Monday now. We've been doing the July 6th with the eyeballs. And Justin, we have how many guests on this pod? Eight. I believe we have eight. For some reason, I thought it was going to be more than that. Um, but anyway, we eight we did, different shows, but we have more guests than eight. Eight different shows true. and pages. So something we've been wanting to do for a long time is one. It's like you know, just one is a reminder that we're fans. But you know, involving other people, fans who do giant stuff, because a lot of people do a lot of hard work and they don't get enough shine because they don't have a blue check mark or you know a big company backing them or something like that. Because there's a there's a lot of giants people who do uh, consistent work. Justin, so we picked eight people who do consistent work that have been doing it for over a year. I know there's some people, some people, there was actually some people we were going to do, like we had planned to do, but, um, you know, there were some other circumstances this past week where it kind of set us back a little bit. But nonetheless, Justin, we got, who do we got today? We got Deanta Tana. We got Ruben Vargas of Zona Segantes, Giants Spain. We got Mike Too Nice. He's a YouTube guy. We got the... The real football fans of New Jersey, Katie and Katie, you did that one. I'm looking forward to hearing that. We had Murph and the Mage, uh, Fam Sports New York, and the Just Giants podcast, and we had our guy who does like videos, TikToks kind of stuff, Sneaky G Man. So I, it, I think I didn't get to be on two of them, but the, all the ones I was on were a lot of fun, Justin. Yeah, I think all these all these people are just a lot of fun in general, and like Bobby said. You know, there's a reason why they're on. You know, we're we are fans just as well. Uh, we like to consume our Giants content. Hey, sometimes we need to check up on ourselves and to make sure that that we're doing a good job and what other people are doing. Uh, and they all do a great job. They're all really fun people. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a long show, so uh, you already can see how long it is. So buckle up, buckle up. Uh, you know, listen to it throughout the week, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Yep, enjoy your week. Enjoy the week after the Fourth of July. Hope you guys had fun. By the way, Justin. Was it like a record amount of fireworks where you were? Because I don't think I've ever heard a consistent like rumbling of fireworks than I did for the 4th of July. I mean, it was unbelievable, Justin. I mean, one of the best things about America, Bobby, right, is that we don't have things provided for us. We go out and we search them and we seek things. <laughs> we seek things to conquer. And that's what people did. I think that video like <laughs> showing Los Angeles about, hey, there's going to be no no one big source of fireworks where everybody can congregate in one spot. Everybody just get their own fireworks and do it. And that's exactly what happened. I actually thought that that was pre- obviously the, the, the fires and things that <laughs> happened were not cool. But the collective spirit of people coming together to do that, I thought that was kind of pretty cool yeah i'm a big fireworks guy and i had never heard the consistent um roaring of fireworks uh didn't lose a limb my good friend zach holton he got hit in the neck um so he sent me a picture of like a big old like gash in his neck so that was cool he got hit by a mortar um so that's a good fire story (laughs) we didn't i actually every year i buy him this year i didn't you know like i said last week was kind of a tough week for me so i didn't buy any fireworks this year but we had like some like like 10 mortars left off and like I said, we like to get creative because everyone's like, oh, all fireworks are the same. It's like, well, not when you're hanging out with us, uh, fellas, because we'd be, we'd be going crazy. 
So we were just like throwing them like in places and putting them under things. And then a neighbor came down the street and like gave us a tube because he just thought we didn't like have a tube to a good amount. It's like, no, dude, like appreciate the gesture, but we just actually enjoy doing them off the ground. Hey, happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy 4th of July. All right, let's get to it. We're going to start with the Anatana, and then we're just going to roll through it. So we'll put timestamps in the show notes, or at least we'll try to. Um, yep. Justin may just may have just got aggravated because I said we'll do that. No. All right, here it no, is. No, I'm, I'm doing it. Let's do it. The Anatana, and then enjoy the next two and a half hours. Maybe maybe treat it like you know, you're on vacation, and you know, you're not having someone come to check on the cat, so you just leave the bag open. Come back, you know. <laughs> be uh have some self control if you if you need something if you need this for the next few days. All right, let's send it over to the entertainer. Could somebody get me the analytics people on the phone right now? All right, we now welcome on to the program a guy who's been killing the YouTube game. Feel like I didn't know about him till four months ago, and then I found out. And like, man, what, what is the secret to this guy's sauce? We have on Chris, <laughs> the entertainer. What's going on, my man? How you doing? I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I've never gotten a chance to work with you guys. I've seen, like I said, I've seen, before we went live uh, or not live recorded. Um, you know, I told you guys, I, I see you got a pretty big following on Twitter, and I thought it was interesting where you guys started, and I guess where I started. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I'll get tagged in a lot of stuff and it'll be like, what do you think of this? And it'll be like, at Bobby Skinner, at The Entertainer, and then you have your YouTube channel. So it's uh, it's cool to see, like, we we definitely have a similar audience, but on different platforms is where yeah. our, like, our expertise are. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I've listened to your podcast a couple of times. Love what you guys do. And um, thank you for having me on. Yeah, Chris, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I. I really look forward to asking all of our guests this question, but in particular, because you are the king of Giants YouTube, I am, I am anointing you, I am giving you the crown, <laughs> you're the king of Giants YouTube, so I kind of want to ask you, and I like I said, I like to ask all of the guests this question, but in particular, I'm looking forward to hearing your answer about this, your journey in content creation, if you want to talk about how you started your channel, the impetus, the driving force behind your channel and your content, um, you know, what makes you unique, uh, you, know, get, you know, plug yourself, give us your elevator pitch. I appreciate that, Justin. One thing I'll say, I've I've watched your channel a couple of times. I think you have the perfect voice. Like like I, you you sound like you belong on the radio. Like it's it, it's great. Disagree. Um, <laughs> but it, but in terms of my journey, um, yeah, people ask me this question all the time when they come into my live streams and stuff. And um, I just started YouTube for fun. I didn't have any aspirations to make it. And you know, now my goal is to go full time. That's been my goal now for about a year, and I'm getting closer and closer to my goal. But when I first started, it was just for complete fun. I was just looking at I, the, the truth. The truth is I broke up with my ex-girlfriend and I was looking to get my mind off things, start a hobby, make people laugh, go on, talk sports. And it was a little bit more of a comedic type channel when I first started. And then I never realized that YouTube was a platform that people went to to really get serious sports information. Mm -hmm. And I would kind of mix comedy and just my opinion on the Giants on certain topics. And then I started to take it a lot more seriously when I realized, wow, people actually come here because they're sick of the ESPNs. They're sick of the Fox Sports and everything else because I never knew that. I was blinded. I, I got all my information from ESPN. And, yeah, I just started taking it a lot more seriously. Um, and then probably about a year ago is when I decided I love doing this. Why not try to pursue my dream? I don't have anything holding me back. I'm not married. I don't have kids. 
I love the New York Giants. I love talking sports. Love talking to my subscribers. And um, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. In terms of, I, you know, my spe secret sauce or whatever you guys said, uh, <laughs> I don't think, you know, hard work, obviously, consistency. And I think I'm relatable. I think when people come to my channel, they say, this guy's a fan. He's a guy I could grab a beer with. Um, and he's a guy that, does, you know, he, he, he does research. He does, you know, he makes sure that any, any, and I also feel like, or at least I want people to feel like when they come to my channel, you're not always going to agree with me. That's what I always tell them, but you're always going to get my honest opinion. I'm not going to say things that I think the masses want to hear. I'm going to tell you my honest opinion. Um, and a lot of times you're not going to agree with it. I'm, I would guess out of everybody on YouTube, I'm the biggest Dave Gettleman defender. And I know most Giant fans don't like hearing that, but that that's I always give my honest opinion. So I think that is also important, whether people are going to agree with you or not. Make sure you have uh, you give your honest opinion, but you back it up. Yeah, and I think that's where we're kind of similar. And, you know, I told you before the show that there's a lot of times where I'm tagged in a tweet. And it's like, what are your thoughts on it? And it'll be like at Bobby Skinner at the entertainer, whereas. There was times last year where it's like I felt like I was taking crazy pills because like I'm seeing one thing and everyone else is saying the other. And I'm just like there's like the pressure to just go with the masses. Like I, it's like I can't do it. I'll, I'll feel horrible inside. So I like that about you. And the idea of like doing our research, but also make people knowing we're fans because, you know, we do our film stuff. And sometimes I'm like, let's make sure we do, we like make it clear we're not scouts. Um, and our, some of our ways are doing that of like, hey, like we have a running storyline of I'm the one who fought Dallas Godert and um, and South Dakota. So I, I like that where we're both we're, we're both we both uh, are fans, but also like to do our research. And you know what? If we do better analysis than the talking heads, then we do it. And I think that's why people come to us. One hundred percent. I think people are like you said, I think they're sick of the Jordan Rannins of the world. They, they're, they're sick. of they Not that they're sick of them, but they they, they want. Those guys, a lot of times, they'll go, I feel anyway, will go out of their way above and beyond to bash the team, whether it's Gettleman, whether, whatever it may be. And they want to get it from a fan's perspective. And I'm going to bash them when I feel like they deserve to be bashed. But I feel like the, I think people feel like the media has a, an agenda out against the team a lot of times. And I, I think they like to hear a different approach. Yeah. And this is like it's like part of their job is different, too. Like we're not trying to be them. That being said, let's talk a little about the Giants, though. Uh, I asked you what you want to talk about. You said you want to talk about maybe the coaching staff a little bit. Where do you stand with the coaching staff? Obviously, there's a lot of stuff to like about Judge, but there's also not a ton to judge him off so far besides the media, which he's, he's like knocked out of the park. Give me give me like a, a positive take on the coaching staff, whether it's like a Jason Garrett or Mark Colombo, and then a negative take uh, on the coaching staff if you got one. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Judge – you hit it right on the head. It's kind of, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I like all the things I've heard. I think he's done great in terms of, you know, he's had to deal with a lot, you know, this entire off season, uh, obviously the things that all the coaches have had to deal with the pandemic, the protest, and then obviously the players on his team, he's had two arrests already. Um, yeah, we, we can't stop getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, so he's had to deal with a lot in his first season. I like the pedigree, you know, learning from the two best coaches, probably the sport has to offer uh, with Saban and Belichick. And, I like that he's a special teams. He was a special teams coordinator. Something I never really thought about until I did a lot of research into this year's coaching search. But it makes a lot of sense why that would be an attractive feature. The guy has to get the most out of the worst players on the roster, and he's got experience on both sides of the ball. So I like Judge, but like you said, you can't really judge him. No pun intended. Until you actually see him coach on the football field. Some of the things that I anticipate, I think he's going to be very good with some of the things that I thought Shermer was awful with. Um, one, I think he's going to command respect. Uh, you heard all the stories about the players falling asleep in meetings. 
things like that. I already get that vibe that he's a type of guy that's going to command respect from the football team. But another thing I couldn't stand about Pat Shermer, and I tried to defend Pat Shermer. I want sustainability. That's something that I always express on my channel. That's why I defend Gettleman. I don't want constant turnover. But the one thing I couldn't stand about Shermer last year in, in particular, there was at least two, probably three games, where he would waste all three timeouts with three or four minutes to go in the game. I don't think you're going to get that with Judge. Judge, to me, is an attention-to-detail guy. I think he's going to handle the clock management much better, things like that. I'm fairly confident with that stuff. Now, in terms of the X's and O's, that remains to be seen. Um, in terms of the rest of the coaching staff, I think it's a good blend of guys with a lot of experience um, and, and like a youthful mix. You know, I, I like a lot of the guys they brought in. Uh, Bielema is an experienced guy in the defensive line. I love Coach Chaos. I think that was a great pickup. Um, and I like the familiarity throughout the staff. Sure was a nice pickup with the linebacker coach. He used to coach um, uh, Lorenzo Carter at Georgia. So they got familiarity throughout the roster. Henderson and the DBs. I don't really have much negative to say because I haven't really seen him yet. Now, Patrick Graham, I guess you could say, you could at least be skeptical skeptical going in based on the fact that hasn't really had any results as a defensive coordinator. But if we're being fair, I mean, the Miami Dolphins, I mean, you know, they had, they had no talent. Um, but I think he matches the philosophy of Joe Judge, which is versatility, being unpredictable. He's very smart. That's another common theme with the players they drafted, with the coaches they brought in. They're all very intelligent. Um, so yeah, I thought they did a great job assembling this coaching staff. It's the, it's probably the thing I'm most excited about going into the 2020 season, getting to cover the, the coaching staff, not just Joe judge, but everybody else. And as far as Garrett goes, I think it's a good mix. I think Daniel Jones is going to fit that offense pretty well. Um, I think it'll be a challenge early on because of the shortened off season. Um, and they play five really good defenses to start. I mean, you look at those pass rushers. Um, but I think it's a good mix last year. Jones, I think ranked. I think he was the top quarterback in terms of accuracy on deep ball throws. So I think this is a, you know, it was a limited sample size, but I think this is an offense that will fit his skill set. I question whether or not they have the receivers that could create separation on, on the outside. But yeah, I, I think it will fit Jones and Garrett's had a lot of success with guys like Dak and Romo in the past. So I'm encouraged by the coaching staff. I think they did a good job. Right. I, I want to ask you this as someone who likes to do preparation as well as you do. When, you know, the coaching staff uh, hunt starts, they got all these names. I mean, I looked at every single guy uh, besides Joe Judge. I looked at every single guy. I looked at all their, their homework. I was like, oh, wide receiver special teams coordinator? Uh, no way. And then we end up hiring the guy. Give me, like, your thoughts and, like, what you, like when that initially happened. It was like, what in the world's going on? Yeah, I, uh, I did. I I. I made it a point because I knew it was going to be a hot topic and everybody would want to know about all the coaching candidates. So I did do a, I did do a video on Joe Judge when they announced that they were going to interview him. So I did do some background on him. And I, and ironically enough, I think I, I think they interviewed seven coaches or they were going to interview seven coaches. And that was the one that got the least amount of views, because like you said, nobody thought he'd ever be hired. Special teams coach, no experience. And I was impressed from what I read before he was hired. I even remember saying that in the video. I said, I could see the draw to this guy. I could see why they would bring him in for an interview um, based on his intelligence. I remember knowing before he was hired that he, you know, he was getting a doctorate. He learned under, um, you know, these great head coaches. But in the video, I did say this isn't this isn't a giant hire. I don't see him doing it, doing it for the simple reason that they typically go for guys with more experience. He's young. He's never even been in a coordinator. So I basically said in the video, I'm like. I think he's going to be a head coach one day. I'm, I'm impressed with a lot of things, but I just don't think it's going to be yet. Um, and I, I thought it was going to be Rule. I thought Matt Rule was going to be the coach. Um, Don Wink Martindale was a really popular choice. Eric Bieniemy. That was my uh, guy, Wink. 
Wink, yeah, a lot of people liked Wink because he, he would have brought that defensive mentality, which I think a lot of Giants fans uh, are clamoring for. But, um, yeah, I would have been happy with any of those guys. But, yeah, of course I was shocked when they initially picked Judge. Yeah, I think um, what you basically kind of talked about before is looking at the combination of, of experience but also the inexperience of the coaching staff as well. And that's something that we saw with Shermer. And then also uh, James Betcher, who was kind of coming under Todd Bowles in Arizona. So it, it was just a bad overall combination. So I'm glad to hear your your affirmation in terms of how good you feel about this coaching staff as a whole. Because uh, that's something that, you know, we haven't seen it. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people are so, still kind of iffy on. And I think we're all just still shell-shocked from uh, the, the previous two head coaches and the <laughs> offensive-minded gurus that were supposed to fix Eli Manning and was supposed to, you know, groom the next quarterback. So I want to ask you this about your your most recent video, actually. And okay. now, the, now the video will be a few weeks old by the time that we release this. So go back and look at this video if you have – if you're listening to this. What you talk about in the video is how Daniel Jones in the next three years, because of his rookie deal to opt and to maximize the value that you get out of that – how important it is for the Giants to win under Daniel Jones's rookie deal because of how rare it is for teams to win with quarterbacks in their second and third contracts, et cetera. So I kind of want to give you the floor a little bit. Talk about some of the stats that you heard from that and why it's so important because I totally agree with you. I'm a big fan of value. So I'm going to give you the floor and kind of expand upon that point a little bit more. I, pre I just made that video today, so I appreciate you watching it. Um, and, and, and as far as uh, the, the value aspect with Daniel Jones – yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, I wasn't really shocked because I think it's common sense. I, I, I'm a big proponent. I always say, listen, quarterback's the most important position, but I also think it's the most overpaid position in the sport. I think it's nearly impossible, not impossible, but nearly impossible to win a Super Bowl when you start paying a quarterback 17, 18 percent of mm. your team's salary cap. I think it's been blown way out of proportion. The price of a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. You go back, you look at Matt Ryan, you look at Matt Stafford, you look at these guys that are fringe top ten quarterbacks. When they get paid, their teams can't win. Um, and that is what I would fear, not just as a Giants fan, but as any fan. And, you know, Daniel Jones right now, the Giants have an opportunity, not this year. I'm trying to be realistic, but over the next four years um, to have that benefit of having the quarterback where he's only committed to four or five percent of the team's cap. And I do think it will be a challenge if they deem that Daniel Jones will be the franchise guy after the fact. I also think that the Giants have to get creative with some of the players on their roster during this time. I, I would look to extend Saquon Barkley if he remains healthy now. That way, that way, a year or two into Daniel Jones's new contract, if that's the plan, you'll have that much more cap space because maybe you front load Barkley's contract Well, Jones is still on his rookie contract. I think they need to do creative things like that to maintain cap space flexibility even after they decide to extend Daniel Jones because I think that's the plan, obviously. Um so, yeah, I, I do think that it's just common sense that a team's best opportunity in today's day and age um, is to win a Super Bowl when the quarterback's on the rookie deal. And in, in terms of the stats I found, I think it was um, the, uh, since the salary cap era in 1994, the average amount of percentage that the quarterback takes up on the cap is about six and a half percent. And it's only happened with five quarterbacks where a quarterback has taken up more than 10% of the team's cap since 94, where they won a Super Bowl. Eli Manning was one of them. Eli Manning, Tom Brady, um, I can't remember everybody else, but they were all great quarterbacks. They were all uh, great quarterbacks. Eli Manning took up 11%, um, but it's rare to find. And Brady, we all know, he got paid, but he could have got paid a lot more. He right. sacrificed to, to better the New England Patriots. So he's not even a case of a guy that was taking up 16 17%. 
you start getting paid what Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff are getting paid, that handicaps your football team. And the New York Giants have an opportunity here for these next three or four years. And I'm a big proponent of being patient. That's all I've said this entire offseason. I don't want you going hog wild in free agency. I want you to have short two, three-year contracts, draft towards the future, which is what they did. Matt Parrott, uh, Shane Lemieux, uh, you know, all, basically every pick they made. They, you know, they a lot of those guys weren't win-now picks. They were picks two, three years down the line. Even Andrew Thomas, I think he's a guy that you're planning for the next 10 years um, rather than Isaiah Simmons, who may have had more of an immediate impact. Um, so I like that approach. But I think starting next year, not that I'm saying sign guys to five-year deals, because I don't think that's the right approach, because we got in trouble in 2016 when we did that. But I think you need to start bringing big-time impact players in free agency and maybe drafting more for the now uh, to try to make the most out of that situation with having the rookie uh, rookie quarterback. Chris, we appreciate you coming on. I hate that we have to keep these short. We're going to have to have you on and do like a full hour sometime, because I enjoy talking to you. Enjoy listening to your, or, you know, watching your content on YouTube. Uh, we'll make sure to shout out all your socials, man. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, man, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. You know, and anytime you guys want to come on my channel, just let me know. Give me a holler. And, uh, yeah, keep up the great work, guys. Sounds good, brother. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome on. We've had a lot of people we like on, but you are one of my favorite guys. You guys are supporting us in the beginning, and I don't think I'm as eager to support other people like I am you guys because I love what you're doing. You're such a niche audience. It's Ruben Vargas of Zonas Gigantes, Giants, Spain. You're coming to me from Spain. You're uh, Barcelona, I believe. Ruben, how are you doing, my brother? Good, Bobby. It's a pleasure to be with you in Talking Giants, one of my favorite podcasts in the world. I always listen to you guys. You are a real uh, honor to be here. Uh, you always uh, 100% with the Giants, with our team. Uh, and we are abroad, but I think this connection with our team, the New York Giants, make us like a big family. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know... You know, we connected early and like, you know, with a lot of people who are, you know, part of like the international Giants, but not even just Giants Spain, like Giants Brazil. And one of the things I remember uh, when you got when we started mailbag, you guys were some of the first people to respond to our mailbags. And I loved it because, you know, you know, like my church is like 80 percent Hispanic people and the service we do English and Spanish. So it's like twice as long. So I was uh, I, I, you know, I, uh, I have like I, I've. In high school, I didn't pay attention to Spanish class. I, you know, I got a D in Spanish one. I got like a B in Spanish two, funny enough. And then I just, I thought it was so useless. And then I end up in a church where I'm starting to learn Spanish a little bit. So I, I you know, I got some phrases here and there that I'll throw out to, to flex on them a little bit. But Ruben, let me talk about what you guys do. Because not only are you just a giant Spain page, but you do your own podcast, Zona Segantes. Yeah, we do Zona Gigantes from 2016. Um, this year we entered on the playoffs. Uh, it was like a bittersweet final because we end with in, in Green Bay. But since that, uh, we are doing podcasts every week, talking about the Giants in Spanish. Uh, we have listeners in Mexico, in Argentina, in all the Spanish-speaking Spanish countries. Also in Spain, is uh, is the NFL is growing so much. And um, yeah, we are so passionate about the Giants. Uh, since not so long, uh, we start the YouTube channel also. We are doing some videos as you guys, uh, making some analysis of players in Spanish. 
it's starting to grow a lot since the draft uh, was growing a lot because the people was in home with the social distancing and they start to know about us in the social media and also in, in YouTube. And then it's it's been fantastic how the NFL is growing so much in Spain and Europe. It's starting to be every year more and more noted. And I think it's really nice to do a podcast about the Giants because the day we will start to win, it's going to be even better. So it's going to be almost like the double pleasure to make the podcast. <laughs> I know. That's, that's why, you know, we started off uh, in not so good times, but... I think it's been exciting, and I know that it's going to pay off once we end up winning. Exactly. Um, so I want to ask a few things. One, uh, the Giants, like the the games they play in London and other places, haven't you've been to one of those games, right? Yeah, I didn't watch the Giants. I was last year covering for one Spanish media. It's called the Spanish Bowl, where I collaborate doing the part of the Giants. I'm like the manager of the Giants part, and I was covering the Texans against the um, Jaguars. And I was in the press conference with Minshew, with uh, Hopkins, with all these players. I in, I also met Osio Mayora there. He's covering for NLF UK. It was amazing pleasure. He's an awesome guy. I recommend you, if you have the chance to talk with him, he's a really nice dude. And my my colleague Jorge in the podcast, Jorge Vico, he was in 2016 watching the Rams against the Giants in Twickenham. It was the first uh, game in the history to play it in a in a rugby field like Twickenham in England. He said it was an amazing experience. And we have another friends in the podcast and in the group of Giants Spain that they've been watching the first game ever ever played in in London. That was the Dolphins against the Giants. Yeah. Uh, in, two, in 2007, we talked about that before, Bobby. And uh, yeah, I think I think the games in London it's something amazing. I was there and it's kind of a Super Bowl because you see people from all the teams with the jerseys. I recommend you guys if you have the change in the future. This year is impossible because it's cancelled, but I recommend you to go once because the ambience and the atmosphere it's amazing. Yeah, I think we're going if the Giants ever get picked for that and they will, you know, they went against yeah. the Rams a couple of years ago. The next time they get picked for that, I really do want to get over there. Now, you mentioned you got to talk with some players. A guy you've got to talk to, you know, you've interviewed some other people, but a guy you guys got to interview and do it in Spanish was Will Hernandez. What's it like talking with him? I know he loves talking with you guys, and he even gave you guys some information on Nick Gates. What what was that all like having Will, Will Hernandez on the show? Man, what can I say about Will? We are so We are so lucky to have him on the team. He's a really nice guy. He's so humble. Um, since the day he was pick on the draft, I was sending him a message on Instagram about, hey, congratulations. He saw that we are a podcast in Spanish. He was taking care of us. He was giving the first time in 2018 when just being picked for the Giants an interview granted. So I, I published it on Spanish Bowl in the web I collaborate here in Spain. And since that, we are talking a lot on the social media. Uh, he followed me on Instagram. He's a really, really humble guy. Um, actually, I was in the MetLife in 2018 watching the Giants against the Eagles. That game we lost, but uh, Saquon was running for 70, 80 yards under the rain. I don't know if you remember this game. Yeah. It, wa it was a really nice game for Saquon, but we lost. And this day I met her mother on the tailgate. I, I just saw a Mexican woman with the jersey of Will Hernandez. I just came to her. I started to talk with her because she speaks Spanish, obviously. She's Mexican. And she's like him, a humble family, really nice, uh, really like low level. And I make amazing connection with, with the family. And man, I mean, 
the interview with he gave to us, it was like 35 minutes talking about him, talking about Giants. He gave me this information about Nick Gates. And man, we are so lucky to have him on the Giants. I just can say that. And he, he's an amazing human being. It was so funny, Ruben, because me and you talked a couple Sundays ago. And we talked about Nick Gates training with Will Hernandez. And I can't remember who put it out. Somebody was like, Nick Gates is practicing at center with Will Hernandez. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, Ruben t- t- uh, told me that this morning. So I was like, I got to tweet it out and, and give Ruben yeah. and, and Zona Segantis a Thank you for that. Shout out. Yeah, I, I, get, I get many followers because of you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love supporting you guys. You guys support us like crazy. So we got to get some more Hispanic players on the team to help you guys grow. Maybe we'll get someone who's like just flat out from Spain. Um, well, I'm training with Martinez because the last name is Spanish, but I think he don't speak any Spanish. It's more like a seem, third like generation. He seems like the guy on the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Martinez. Is there any? Is there anybody else with the uh, Rosas? But Rosa? I don't want. Maybe he's not available now. No. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll get another Hispanic kicker. Uh, Jonathan Casillas would have been a good one when he uh, when yeah. he was uh, with with us. So, yeah, he was all Puerto Rican, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I can't remember, so I'm going to trust you on that one. I wasn't doing all this stuff as much back then. It's been <laughs> weird, you know, this is my first year, you know, I'm one year in, and I realized, because I used, you know, I lived down in Florida, and I would just watch the NFL, you know, if the Giants were on TV, I'd watch them. But this was my first year, like, watching the Giants every single game, and it's all, it's a whole different way to watch the NFL, where now I know every little detail about like the Giants players. Where back then it's like I knew what the Giants were doing, I knew every move they made, but I didn't know like every detail about like this guy's favorite food is spaghetti or something like that. Now I'm <laughs> now I'm just in too deep with it. So have you been to MetLife and what was like that experience if you have been? It was awesome, Bobby. I mean, I have New York friends. Uh, I have many where I used to be studying. I met many New Yorkers also in Barcelona. And one of my best friends, uh, Ryan, he's a big Giants fan. He lives in Long Island, but he works in Manhattan. And in every game, he goes to the target, to the section J8. I want to say hello to him if he's listening. And man, it was amazing. I love the target. We don't have this in Europe. The target, for me, it's something unbelievable that you can eat. You can, fo- you can have some food before of the game. You can talk with all the Giants fans. It was a Thursday night football against the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles supporters just came and started to make some noise. It was like big rivalry. We don't like so much the Eagles. Uh, and are the Eagles fans in Spain just as crazy as the ones in Philly? Are worse. Are worse than, than <laughs> the US. I love it. I love it. I had big problems with the Eagles Spain crowd here. Actually, they blocked me once, and well, it's <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's will man. I mean. Here, the fans in Spain are so passionate as well. I mean, some days we watch the games at 2 in the night, at 2 a.m., at 3 a.m., because the change of hours, it makes you feel even more passionate to watch at this time of, of the night, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you got on the Giants' regular page with a video you guys did, and you did it with, um, you know, Giants Brazil, Giants Mexico, um, Giants uh, UK, I think, was on there, and a, and a couple other ones. Mm-hmm. Now, if I know you, you were the one who uh, organized that, right, Ruben? Yeah, man, I was in home with uh, social distancing. I was boring, and I say, man, we have to do something to the Giants that they know we have uh, international fans, people from all over the world following. And actually, I was following a few accounts, the Giants Germany, Giants UK, 
Giants Brazil, also Giants Mexico. I, I create a group on Twitter. I start to talk with them about my idea. And they say, okay, let's do it because we're in home. Uh, we can do this video. It's not take so many time. And in the end, uh, my colleague uh, Jorge, he make all the accomplishment in the video. He, he put all the videos together with a nice music. I sent to the Giants, to, to one of the workers on the social media. She loved it. And she said, she say, okay, we're going to post it. And I was like, wow, the, the Giants are going to post our video. And it gets viral, man. It was like a lot of uh, people watching it. The people love it. People from all over the world was commenting. And I think it's good for, for the NFL and for all the franchises in, in the league that they know that it's also fans all over the world. And this is a global sport. And we have global fans from, from every corner of, of the world. Yeah. And one, you got our logo on the Giants page with the, with the magnet. So that was pretty cool. I, I will say, and I think it is like a wake-up call. I think you guys are some of the, like the international fans, are some of the most diehard fans because, I mean, you guys interact, especially online more, because I think, because you're not around all kinds of Giants fans in your everyday, you know, in your day-to-day. So, like, you guys interact more than, like, anybody else. You're some of our, like, most diehard listeners are from international. I, I think that's pretty cool because, you know, when the NFL started doing the Europe thing, I kind of was like, uh, is there really any fans, you know? Like, I'm sure people go to the game, but is there any, like, diehard fans? And I was surprised to see how many, like, diehard football fans, and you know, and more so mm-hmm. Giants fans uh, at the international level. Yeah, for us, the social media, Twitter, Instagram, all these is like one of the most important tools we have to follow the league with all these insiders like Rappaport, like uh, all the Giants ones, like Dan Dugan and all these uh, reporters. For us to get the information is so important. And also for follow the players, for try to get interviews, also to listen to your podcast, Talking Giants, another podcast in English, the, the ones we have the luck to speak English. So I think, I think social media, it gets uh, better with all the family of the Giants. I mean, years ago, I remember people is older than me that is in Giants Spain. They tell me that it's, it was much difficult to follow the, the Giants. Also, uh, it, it was not like easy to watch the games. Now we have the we have the um, game pass, the NFL game pass that is amazing. Yeah. We here here we pay like 166 euros, and you have all the games in the year, so it's pretty good. And you can watch all the um, coach film. You can watch also different documentals. So I think I think NFL is doing a good work in Europe. And if you go to the NFL g- games in in London. Every game is packed. It's no, it's sold out tickets. So I think the people and the new generations they love uh, the Giants and they love the, the the NFL. Right. All right. So I want to finish it off with let's talk about the team a little bit. One, like who are a couple of players you're super excited about? You know, some younger guys. And then, like, what do you predict for the Giants in 2020? Well, in Zona Gigantes, we are being a, so realistic. I think we're going to get like 7, 9, 8, 8, something like that at the best uh, scenario because we have a really difficult calendar. We have to be realistic. We are a really young team. But I'm really excited to watch uh, to watch uh, Joe Judge because for me it's it's uh, it's an enigma who is going to be like a coach because it's his first was like a head coach. But I'm really excited about him. I watch uh, his press conference. I think he's a really focused guy. He's really focused on the detail. 
And I think if he shows what all what was saying on the off season, we're gonna have an amazing coach. And I'm really excited about Joe Judge. And I'm really excited also about Xavier McKinney. I think Xavier McKinney is an important piece for our defense. It's a playmaker that we didn't have before. He he can play everywhere. He can be a big hitter. He can uh, he can be a leader on this secondary. So I, I'm really excited about these two this year. And obviously I'm excited about Daniel Jones and Saquon. I think they are going to be our running back and Kubi franchise for the next years. I'm really, really uh, positive about about them. And I think the Giants going to surprise many people on the league next year because they, they have us like a really bad team. But I think we, we changed many th- important things that, that can surprise many people to the league. Yeah, it's definitely a young team. And the offense is exciting. The defense, if it's anything, it's versatile. Like you said with McKinney, he could play all over the field. There's a lot mm-hmm. of guys on the team who have, like have that versatile role. So it's going to be interesting just to see, because I think a lot of us are just like, you know, with Betcher, it's like, okay, we expected this. With Patrick Graham, I don't know what to expect from our defense on a week-to-week basis. So it's it's going to be fun. Ruben, we appreciate you having on. I know we've been talking about it for a long time, so it's good to finally do it. Make sure to go follow Ruben at Ruben at Vargas, and then, you know, at Giant Spain, Zona Sagantes. We'll, we'll make sure to tag you and everything. Ruben, I, I thank you, my brother. I appreciate you coming on. Bobby, thank you to you for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I had a blast. And to all the people listening to Talking Giants, if you speak Spanish too, we have Zona Gigantes. We are brother to podcast. And we're going to have, we want to have during the season also Bobby in our podcast for sure, practicing his Spanish. <laughs> I know. I, I, left, I left a voicemail in Spanish. I will say I did cheat. I wrote it down before so I could read it. Okay. But, um, you know, my go-to, my go-to when uh when I don't know an answer, I just say muscle menos, muscle menos. You know, it's perfecto. Uh, it's muy yeah, muscle menos is my answer when I don't know how to uh, say it in Spanish. So that can, eh, more or less, you know. Um, so, <laughs> so that that gets that gets me out of trouble. All right, Ruben, thank you, brother. Gracias. Hasta luego. Bye. The drops have to stop, Justin. Hi, we now welcome on to the program a guy who he does awesome YouTube work for the Giants stuff. Him and the entertainer, they just kind of dominate the Giants YouTube world. <laughs> he does it more film analysis stuff like we do and some other stuff. He's a Nets fan as, uh, as well as me, so I love... As soon as we get a new player, I'm always going to your YouTube channel to find <laughs> out about our new player. I remember like Nick when we drafted Nick Claxton, first thing I went to was your channel you know, to get get my Nick, my Nick Claxton fix. Right, Mike Two Knights, right. what's going on, man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hopefully, Nick's, Nick Claxton breaks out at some point. We're hoping for. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> we're gonna do with Jared Allen, DeAndre. All our players are starting to skip the bubble. And yeah. you know, if the Wizards weren't so bad, I'd say we'd fall to the nine seed. But I think it's impossible for us. Yeah, we'd point. have to lose out basically. So I'm not <laughs> not counting a, on that. Is, which is a possibility. But yeah. like the Wizards will go like one and seven through the right, right. the warm up. So we'll still end up with the eight <laughs> if seed. If we if we get Bradley Beal out of it cool with me all right that's all i gotta say (laughs) i'm with you on that one all right so before you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about giants football a little bit but i mean tell us a little bit about like your story how you got your youtube how you grew it and like your whole like journey in giants content all right um my story is probably different than most people so at the end of 2017 i started having like some health issues turned out i had lyme disease so i started feeling like crap a lot right 
So I was like lethargic, didn't feel like going out much. And I was like, well, I got to do something to pass my time here. So I was like, well, let's just do a YouTube channel. So I started doing highlight films, made like the Odell video that did very well. And I put a lot of work into that. So I'm happy it did well. A couple other videos like blew up. And then eventually I'm like, you know what? My entire life is sports. I might as well just talk about it. And like, I feel like I bring some pretty good like viewpoints on stuff. So I'm like, you know what? If people like it, great. If not, whatever. I'll just go back to doing highlight videos. So I did it. People turned out to like it. We built a nice Giants community, obviously. And, you know, it went from doing like just post-game reactions to doing like pre-game stuff and doing film breakdowns. And I was doing like four or five videos a week during the NFL season, which is pretty crazy. But like if I'm enjoying it, then I'm going to keep doing it. So, you know, so far I'm still having some health issues, which sucks, but eventually I'll get over it. But for now, I'm just doing it to pass my time. I was in college the whole time, obviously. I graduate in August next month, so I'll be done with that. Then it's on to a full-time job. Hopefully, I'll still find time to do this stuff. But uh, it's been fun so far, so I enjoy it for sure. Yeah, I didn't know all that because, you know, I'm I'm pretty new to all this. You know, we've, you know, tried to grow as much as we can. But at the end of the day, I've only been doing this for over a year and been on, like, Twitter yeah, yeah. for over a year. And then realizing, like, okay, there's this section of people. There's this section of people. Um, I will say, before we start talking about Giants football, I think you're, like, one of the nicest people. Even, like, you can completely <laughs> disagree with someone. But I've ne- I don't, I've rarely seen you ever get mad, and that's a trait I try to like be better at because I yeah, I'll blow yeah. up with like the slightest of insults, and you'll just that's like, why I think I think you guys work so well together. You and Justin have different personalities, and I think it just feeds off each other so perfectly. But you're right, I try not to like clap back. I have certain people in my comments like all the time will hate my videos regardless, no matter what it is, no matter what no matter what the opinion is. It's like they just hate it regardless. And I'm like, okay. Like at, at some point you just gotta stop answering and say, whatever. At least they're viewing my video and giving me some publicity for it, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right, Justin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Bob, Bobby, and I, we absolutely love and adore each other. Especially, you, right. know, you know, how they say opposites attract. Well, uh, sometimes we, uh, we can bite at each other a little bit too, which is fun. We, <laughs> we love each other. Um, but Mike, what I, what I do want to say, because I, I've, I have to, I have to hype up every single person that that we have on, and for, for each individual reason, and for you, I mean, I'll feel happy if I just have maybe a couple tweets out, and if I put together a little bit of, a little bit of a video, and I put that out all on Twitter after we make a move, after we sign a player, after we draft trade somebody etc cetera, etc cetera. okay but by the time maybe i put it together a couple tweets you have a whole 15 minute youtube video done so i'm like oh well mike there there goes mike again making everybody feel like they ain't doing crap so i want to i want to commend you on that about you know just being one of the hardest working people out there um yeah. but you know maybe maybe let's get into some giant stuff um the one question that I do want to ask you, uh, it's kind of a in-depth, uh, open-ended question, and it's not as concrete as, like, oh, what do you think of Daniel Jones in 2020? But what do you think the Giants have to do, you know, as a franchise, as a football team this season, in this very interesting season that we're going to have, what do you think the Giants have to do for you and your head and your brain for you to consider it, like, a successful season? Right. I just don't want it to be a train wreck. The past three years have been so ugly, honestly. Like, there's teams that have more wins in one season than we've had in the past three. It's a joke, honestly. So I just want – it's not about the record for me necessarily, which I know at the end of the day it's all about standings and record. But for me personally – I just want to see these young guys improve. If Daniel Jones proves in year two that he can cut the fumble somewhere in half and just be a two-to-one touchdown uh, interception ratio type of guy and can be efficient and Saquon Barkley can be relied on for 16 games and hopefully Evan Ingram can play 16 games and Caden Smith's the real deal. Andrew Thomas is the real deal. You see where I'm going with this. And then the defensive Mm -hmm. side of the ball is even younger. Is Leonard Williams going to be 
a dominant player or he's going to be a guy who almost is a dominant player. Is O'Shane Zimenez going to step up and be this breakout player? I actually wanted you guys to ask me about breakout players later. We'll get to that. But for now, um, you know, Julian Love, uh, Darnay Holmes, I have high hopes for guys like that. If, if they even DeAndre Baker, I have to include there as well. If all those guys get better and there's probably a world where not all of them get better, but at least like I would say 70 to 80 percent of them improve then I'm good with it. Daniel Jones has to prove this in 2020. He is a franchise quarterback or things are going to go backwards real fast and it's not going to be good. So hopefully Daniel Jones is closer to, as I've always said, Alex Smith and not like Jameis Winston. That's what I want. So Jameis does some good things, but he'll throw you out of a game. So I just kind of want Daniel Jones. I put a video out recently to be a good game manager. I think he's better than most game managers, but just lean on the run. You have the best running back in football. You guys know how much I complain about the number two pick being a running back and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I know Bob's going to disagree with me. But at the same time, you have him now. You have your improved offensive line. Just use it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Then we'll have Daniel Jones air it out 40 times a game. But I want them to at least try to establish the run to start the season. I don't know who their RB2 is going to be. I know they have Deion Lewis and some other guys behind them. But we'll see what happens. But I just want Saquon Barkley to be healthy and play all 16 because – As much as I didn't like the pick, I admit, this guy is a very, very special talent and the best running back I've probably seen in my lifetime. It's like between him and Adrian Peterson. I haven't been watching football for that long, maybe 15 years, but he is a special talent and you can see it for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because with Shermer, um, there was times where he kind of got away from the run game and it was just a a very like zone zone run scheme. It'll be interesting to see if, if Joe Judge... And, you know, you know, Garrett does run his own scheme. But if they try and copy what the 49ers do, where it's a lot more pulling yep. and down, like a lot more scheme stuff. And that turns into a much easier offense for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, where with, you know, what Garrett does, it's like, you know, running the ball and play action definitely helps. But linebackers and stuff aren't selling out as much as you would against a team that like runs the ball the way the 49ers do, where it's just a yeah. totally different system. So that that'll be interesting to see with Jones. Um the only thing I would disagree with you is I don't want Jones to be a manager. I, I would like him to be more, you know, I like that he takes chances, you know. I, and obviously, yeah, yeah. like you said, I guess we do agree because I do want him to rein it in a little bit here and there. But I also don't want it to go into check down city like where Al, oh, you know, yeah, Alex yeah. Smith, you know, mm-hmm. where he didn't throw a touchdown to a wide receiver for like three straight years <laughs> or something. I meant the good Alex Smith, not like the you know, first <laughs> <Okay>. few years. <laughs> That's what no, happens. The, the Eli any, Manning... Anytime you compare somebody – that isn't like the greatest. Everyone, everyone freaks oh, out. Yeah, I get for it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like Eli Manning, the past few years, like the last few years of his career, which is dumped down the Saquon, like 91 receptions his rookie year. And I was like, I cannot stand this anymore. Like take <laughs> some shots here, but his offensive line sucked. And I just think he had that mental clock in his head just got shorter and shorter because all the guys they put at left tackle, unfortunately for him. And we know Jerry Reese ruined the end of his career. I think we all get it, but you know, whatever. A lot of people <laughs> compare Jones to Mariota. And I get, like, skill set maybe, but I view mm-hmm. those guys as, like, two opposite players. Where Mariota, like, the, Tennessee, they're begging him to take some chances and not just sit there and take sacks or, or dump-offs. Where right. Jones, it's he's a little too aggressive and you got to rein it in. And I thought, like, the Arizona game, he was just so, like, that was the game he got sacked, what was it, seven, eight times? Yeah. And I, think, I went through and broke down every one. I think, like, three or four were on him because he was just so focused downfield and there was stuff underneath. But then you saw in that Detroit game the next week where he like he focused on that. So that was the thing that was the most encouraging thing about Jones is that 
you, it seemed like whenever he would have a bad week at something, he would focus on that the next week, and that's right, all, right. You, all you can hope for. Yeah, if you watch, if you watch four games of Jones, being the Lions game, the Buccaneers game, the end of the Redskins one, the second one, and then the Jets game, I think it was, you would think yep. this guy's the best quarterback in league history. You know, it just has to be consistent from here on out. He struggled right. against better defenses, and that's going to happen. But hopefully, if he's more consistent, we'll see more of those great performances. Right. So you mentioned breakout players. Let's let's hear who's yeah. Me offense All right. Defense. Okay. So my offensive guy. I know everyone says Caden Smith and probably some Andrew Thomases and stuff like that. For me, it's Golden Tate. So I did some research here. Last year he had 49 catches under 700 yards, six touchdowns, but in 11 games. You put that over 16 games, 72 catches, just under a thousand yards, and eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns probably won't happen. I think six was an outlier for a guy like Golden Tate who probably has two to four every year of his career, but. But still, I think he's the perfect guy for Daniel Jones, who's really good at the intermediate passes over the middle of the field, which is where Golden Tate lives. And he calls himself the Yak King for a reason. If he can catch balls five yards, make guys miss and turn it into a 10-yard gain and keep doing that over and over again, get six, seven, eight catches a game, he'll be a huge piece of the offense. And if Evan Engram was healthy, he could probably do the same thing. So hopefully he is. But I think Golden Tate is a guy who he's had a track record of playing 16 games for a long time. Unfortunately, got suspended last year. I'll give Gettleman some crap. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. But uh, it was <laughs> unfortunately got suspended. But this guy never misses games. It just happened last year. I think he'll be fine. He's only 31, I think it is. So he'll be great. I think he's going to be a really big piece of this offense. For defense, I'm sure everyone's going to say this, but I really liked him. Even before we drafted him, I love this guy, O'Shane Zimenez. So he played 45% of the defensive snaps last year. He put up four and a half sacks, five tackles for loss. Nine quarterback hits. You double those numbers into him playing 90% of the snaps. You're looking at a nine-sack guy. Ten tackles for loss. 18 quarterback hits. Is it elite? No. But we're also looking at him from a perspective that he's probably going to get better in year two anyway. It's not just doubling his rookie numbers. He'll get even better. He'll get even stronger. He has a lot of great pass rushing moves, and he's going to stop on the run, too. So I think he's a keeper. I want the Giants to play him a lot next year. I know people love Lorenzo Carter. I mean, not as much this year. Last offseason, people loved him. Um, Kyler Fackrell is a guy I want to play. But the Giants might get Marcus Golden back on, what, July 22nd, I think it is, or something. So I think he got moved back by camp. But yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But if they get him back, then that's another spot where, you know, he might not get snaps because of it. So we'll see what happens. But I think Zimenez, if he plays the snaps, will put up some great numbers. Okay, I love that take. And I haven't heard much people say it because people have slated Lorenzo Carter and then Kyler Fackrell's a new toy. So people talk about him. But I agree with you 100%. If Marcus Golden is signed, which it seemed to assume by now, unless somebody swoops in last minute, I would start him and Zimenez. And I know they're both similar players, but... What Carter just didn't show me enough, and I said going, last year, like you said, everyone was excited about him, and I was like, man, I was like, this guy, like, I like him, but, like, don't pit your hopes into this guy to be a game yeah. changer because I, I I don't ever see him being that. I see him being a very, like, consistent, solid player, whereas Zimenez is just a, a more pure pass rusher where Carter is more of a, you know, a do-it, uh, you know, does-both kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I think the expectations were a bit too high, but that's how we are as Giant fans. We see a guy have a great rookie year, and we're like, oh, this guy's going to be a superstar, and sometimes it doesn't happen, so it's just reality, but we're allowed yeah. to get our hopes it's up, It's hard to not yeah. do that. Right, for oh, sure. Well, well anytime oh, like, you see like a guy gets like, oh, he's a rookie, and he got 500 yards, well... In his second year, he's going to get 1,300. You know, it's what we always yeah, expect. Yeah. Like, the, the dumbest thing jump. I see now is the Darius Slayton touchdown argument. I think touchdowns for some <laughs> players happen a lot. Like, guys like Antonio Brown get double digits every year. But a guy like Calvin Johnson had, like, four one year. Julio Jones had, like, 
two or three one year on like yeah. 140 receptions. You cannot predict touchdowns. So when people say Darius Slayton had more touchdowns than Odell Beckham, it doesn't mean he's a better player than Odell Beckham. Like, let, let's be real here. But people love to bring up the touchdown things. Slayton could get three touchdowns next year and have a thousand yards. We don't know that, you know? So I think touchdowns are kind of an overrated thing sometimes and they tend to fluctuate year by year. Yeah. Although I do, I think Slayton was going to fit in perfect with, with Garrett's offense. I will say this. Here's an unpopular opinion I have. I haven't said it much because what's the point? <laughs> a guy I love and everyone gets mad when he gets brought up before Slayton is Terry McLaurin in Washington. I think he's mm-hmm. so good. I loved him last year out of the draft, and I don't want to get too like conceited in our own draft rankings, but I thought it was um, Hollywood Brown, um, A.J. Brown, and then Terry McLaurin. I mean, I was in love with McLaurin. I wanted. I thought he did so much for Haskins at Ohio State, and then they end up on the same team in Washington. But I think McLaurin's a great right. player. Um, well, he went in the third round, right? In the real yeah, draft, in the, I think. In the third yeah. round, um, I I was I was hoping somehow he'd fall to that 95th pick, <laughs> even though we pro- like we may have not took him anyways. But mm-hmm. um, Justin, I know you were just talking about Tate and, Tate and Shepard the other day. Do you have anything mm-hmm. on that? I uh, I have I I want to pick you a little bit on Golden Tate because also it could be my own personal bias about Golden Tate because Golden Tate I know you're a big analytics guy so you're you're a big stack guy along with myself so Golden Tate actually it ranks among like the top ten in the National Football League on NFL Next Gen stats with the least amount of separation. Now I was coming into 2019 thinking about Golden Tate as this guy like you said who's good in the intermediate game, which he's good in the intermediate game. But seeing how every single year he's bringing in 90 catches consistently, 80, 90 catches. So I'm thinking slot guy, high catch rate guy. So I'm thinking this guy is going to be like good. He's going to find zones, but instead he comes in, he's the yak guy and he's the big play guy. So I want to pick your brain a little bit because I think Shepard is more important, but Tate having this lack of separation that bugged me all last year. That really bugged me all last year. Not to say that he's not a good player and it could be my own personal bias, but that one little stat where I'm like, Oh, just because a guy doesn't get good separation that bugged me, especially considering looking at how much Jones had to fit the ball into tight windows. Right. Well, that's what he's got to do, right? That's what Jones is really good at. But with Tate now being over 30, that has to be a concern for sure. This is not like the Seattle Seahawks version of Golden right. Tate where he literally people couldn't even touch him. But I think he's getting better at contested catches. I can think of some plays last year, that Chicago Bears game and the garbage time touchdown he had was incredible. Never saw him do that stuff before. The one he had against the Cowboys, the one-handed catch was great. So I think he's developed more as a receiver. But obviously, he needs to get more separation. I'm hoping that maybe he was rusty coming off suspension or some excuse I can make for him but I just hope he can come back and just be the guy he used to be because if he is moving those chains on third and shorts and not having to rely on your run game every time would be huge so if they can get Caden Smith open Golden Tate guys that can just move the chains like that I think that's huge so I'm really hoping Golden Tate can be that chain mover next year well Mike I'm trusting you more than my own personal brain so 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 thank (laughs) you All right. (laughs) All right, Mike, we appreciate you coming on. We're going to have to do a full episode one day. We're trying to keep these short. Make sure to go follow him at Mike underscore NYY. And then your YouTube is Mike too. Nice. Keep killing it, man. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right, man, you guys too. Thank you very much for having me. Hopefully we'll talk soon. I'm not confident in my ability to be likable. All right, and welcome back to Talking Giants. And right now, said that with a very Jersey accent, and that was on accident. Usually I make that on purpose. But right now we have the two co-hosts, two best friends of the Real Football Fans of New Jersey, Caitlin and Katie. How are you two doing today? 
We are good. And that New Jersey accent was not an accident. You did it on purpose because you're talking to the real fall fans of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Duh. I'm feeling good because it's a Tuesday and we're already drinking our wine. Normally, And talking you know, giants. That's we, uh, it is. we do our show on Wednesday nights and we drink our wine. And now we just get to have a back-to-back day drinking oh. uh, festivity here. So we're good. I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great because one of the reasons why I love what you what you know what you two do, and I've said this about a few other shows, but you know we're having a lot of shows on, and it's for a similar reason. But specifically with you two, you're you're great friends, so you like each other. There aren't there are some co-hosts out there that don't that you could tell like they don't like each other. We and argue. It's, <laughs> it's all out of love though. It's all out of is, love. Is this a subtle hint to Bobby Skinner? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, are you I guys love, not really friends? No, no, I love Bobby Skinner. There are there are a couple times. I would say once a month we have our creative differences where we get at each other's throats. <laughs> but it's because we want to be great. We want to be great. But I you two, it. you really you really genuinely like each other. That comes out on the show and that comes out with the product. Um, and you know, with the wine, you don't. Again, I'm I'm also a fan of not taking yourself too seriously. So you have the wine, you have a good time, yeah. and it generally does show. So I want to ask first, and this is the question that I've been asking, you know, that we've been asking almost every guest. Tell us about your journey. Tell us about your journey in either, you know, content creation. I put that in quotes. The journey of the show. How did it get started? What what makes you two unique? And tell us about the show in general. Caitlin, you want to take it away? Sure. Um, so you said, you know, we're, we're friends and it seems like we get along. So Katie and I have actually been friends for 28 years. Um, so, you know, inching on 30 years of friendship, we grew up next door to each other on a very quaint cul-de-sac. So we just had to be friends. Um, Katie <laughs> didn't really like me at first, but I kept trying. I kept trying. Um, and we just run a friendship like and it's been, you know, Katie's been my like true best friend for 28 years. And we've just always throughout life, his football has always been one of those things that we've just always agreed on, you know, always Giants fans, always could talk about it. And as we got older, a little bit more mature, you know, we do talk about the housewives too on our show. So it makes it a little more. So I think it was like two and a half years ago, like many people just kind of told us, you know, like you guys really know your stuff when it comes to football, like you, and you also like to gab about the housewives. Like, why don't you just, do something about it, do a podcast, do a, um, do a show. So we actually started as a live show on Facebook, um, and then recently converted to a podcast, but it's, I mean, you know, it's been amazing. Um, I've loved where, cause it was just, it's still just for fun, but we didn't think like fast forward two and a half years later, like we recently celebrated our hundredth episode in front of a live audience. Like, and you know, we are friends with like people like you and Bobby, like we have made acquaintances like amongst like other football podcasts, like, you know, the housewives like retweet us and like our stuff on Instagram a lot. Like we are like, it's insane, but yeah. You gotta, you gotta help us get in with license plate guy. Oh, I know. Mm. Yeah. We He's awesome. He engages with us, but it's just, it hasn't been, we haven't opened the door yet, but yeah, no. So I don't know, Katie, go ahead, add, add your, your colorful commentary. I think you uh, pretty much got it. I'm pretty sure the discussion of doing our show and talking about football and talking about housewives, I think the idea came from the two of us probably sitting at the bar together. Yeah. Drinking wine. And I'm pretty sure that's how it all came about. And I still remember, yeah, it was 2017 and it was right around Christmas time. So the football season was going on and we shot our first show in front of Caitlin's parents' Christmas tree in their living room. And 
you know, then eventually we moved on to the podcast, which podcasts mm-hmm. are becoming huge and people seem to love. So I'm really happy we like immersed ourselves into that world. And yeah, yeah. it's been going awesome. We've ha- been still having a ton of fun with it. And again, it's just something that we love doing in our real life, just the two of us as best friends. So yeah, show is just so much fun for us. And I think it'll continue to be that way for a really long time, I hope. Yeah, for sure. Even without the pod, there would be nothing different without the podcast. Like if you like, there's always days I want to like record our text messages from like (laughs) morning till night. That's all we're talking about. Just scrolling through like everything. So like even without this, we'd still be doing the same thing. And I think that's why too, like that was one of like the shining moments of like, you guys should let's go ahead. So we just do what we do every day, but now the world can see it. Now the world can hear us talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, And one of the, one of the awesome things that, that you do, that you do, is you put those text messages, you put those real life conversations out there, but it's not just about the Giants. And that's the thing that yeah. I compliment uh, like Fam Sports New York. They talk about all of New York sports while Bobby and I were just Giants. And, you know, we're going to, you know, we'll expand to all of football eventually, but you guys tackle all of it. You know, between yeah. the Housewives, you tackle the rest of the NFL, which I think is very difficult to do. And then also you do a great job with the Giants. So all of those different things are navigating and you have a base and you have a crowd within that, within all those different things yeah. you talk about. It's very difficult to do. And it's also, it's, and you guys do an awesome job. Listen, Justin, I think if all we did was talk about the Giants 24-7, it might get a little depressing. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have to span out into other things for sure. I mean, that's why 50-50, right? It's like, it's actually like a three-way, so it's like giant or football, housewives, wine. Like you got, we talk about wine in there too. Yeah. We always talk about wine. Um, but it's yeah, it's I've loved it because we've obviously loved the Giants and we've been 100% all in Giants ever since we were born. Like going to games, watching games together at home, like talking about it. It's like we've always known we're super knowledgeable about football, but this show has just taken it to the next level because we have to dive in to other teams and we also look at college too. I'm a huge college mm-hmm. fan, but Katie isn't so she's had to take it a step further and dive into that a little bit more there's areas of the nfl that i wasn't fully fully like engulfed in and really fully understand it like katie's the stat queen she knows all the stats i've only gotten so much better of that with that because of her because of this show so it's it's hard for us to wrap around all of it but it really has been helpful um and i just again i love to talk about it for the rest of my life that's all i talk about love it that's awesome. So speaking of stats, yes. one of your, your main one of your main giants top see that podcasting transition, you gotta love it. They don't they don't teach you this in school. Uh, they don't. The, you just gotta go. One of the giants topics that you want to talk about is the comparison between Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray. And this is actually really interesting. You know, we're you know, obviously we're we're stemming towards twenty twenty. Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray both had their good rookie seasons respectively. Um but you think the gap between Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones is a little bit closer than now Giants fans. I think we understand that the gap between those between those guys is closer than the rest of the league thinks. But let's right. but let's talk about it. Let's maybe compare some stats. And I want to hear what you two think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just start out with the fact and Caitlin can attest to this, that I'm the most realistic Giants fan there is. So she is. I'm, I'm too so optimistic. Last last <laughs> season, before last season started, I said three wins max. So I keep it really real. All right. I was like 16 and 0, baby. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it might sound like I want to compare Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray and say that there is a comparison there because I'm a Giants fan. But realistically, I think it was just a thing that was overlooked. And I basically just want to talk about 
do we think when those rookie seasons ended for these two players, was Kyler Murray just overhyped or was Daniel Jones underhyped? I mean, people are already speculating. I've seen articles out, oh, Kyler Murray's going to be the MVP this season. I think they're already trying to launch him into Patrick Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson. Rolling my eyes for those who are listening. And I don't really know why. So I think people just get really hyped on dual threat quarterbacks. Obviously, Daniel Jones is a pocket passer, but let's compare these two guys. I mean, Kyler played 16 full games. Daniel Jones played 13. So you always got to keep that in mind that he had three extra games. Um, the completion percentages, Kyler's got him a little bit, 64% completion, uh, 61% for Daniel. But that's actually really good for a rookie, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. um, Passing yards, we have Kyler with a little over 3,700 passing yards and Daniel Jones with a little over 3,000. Now, Kyler had those three extra games. And what numbers, talking- though, are just so close. It's like, I don't think people, some people realize how close no, they are. No, it's so close that Daniel Jones averaged 232 passing yards per game. So if you just average that in and yeah. give him 16 full games and you see what that comes out to. It's already it more. out to one more passing yeah. yard than Kyler Murray. So if he had played 16 full games, he'd be right there with him, if not above him. And I think he would have been well above, more above it. It's not, I think Daniel Jones was kind of thrown into, obviously, a very sticky situation. The Giants weren't good. They're benching their 16-year vet, and Daniel Mm -hmm. Jones got to go in as a rookie. So I I don't know what those three games would have done, but he could potentially have been above average to actually be a little bit more than just kind of right there with him. Daniel Jones, three less games, threw 24 touchdowns. Kyler Murray threw 20. They both had the same amount of interceptions, 12. Um, we'll let that one slow. We won't we'll talk about that one. The rookie quarterbacks. We don't pay attention <laughs> to turnovers for rookie quarterbacks. We don't quarterbacks. talk about interceptions. What are we talking Kyler about? Kyler Murray was sacked 48 times. Daniel Jones was sacked 38 times. You know, sometimes that just has to do with the offensive line, so I don't get too hung up on that. They're QBRs. Kyler Murray, 87.4. Daniel Jones, 87.7. I know that number that that was one of the stats that we uh, pulled up on one of our recent. I don't know when I think it was when the awards came out last season for um, rookie of the year and we were looking at everything that was the one we looked at the most and we were just like, holy shit, look at that, that percentage, yeah. <laughs> that difference, look at that difference. Kyler Murray, obviously, we know he's, you know, a running quarterback, 544 rush yards. But Daniel Jones quietly almost had 300 mm-hmm. rush yards. And again, three less games. Daniel Jones had two rushing touchdowns. Kyler had uh, four. Mm-hmm. And then the big difference, and, you know, I will give Kyler this one. He only fumbled the ball as a rookie pretty good, especially a mobile quarterback. Only fumbled the ball five times. And we all know. Uh, we know that's Daniel Jones's biggest We know Daniel Jones. He's got to hold on to it. Hey, kid put eight pounds of muscle on this summer. You better hope that muscle's in his hand so he can hold that ball. He's holding on that ball. His hands got super strong in this offseason. And he's, looking, he's yeah. looking tan. I talked about this he's, with uh, with Danny he's King. He's good. He's looking tan and he's looking kind of thick. I, I'm kind of like, Ooh. yeah. So it's apparent it's eight pounds of muscle apparently, and I'm like, damn boy. And he's a big kid. Katie and yeah. I met him at the soft the charity softball game, and I always look at that picture that, that we have with him. Like he's also he's bending down like severely, and he's still towering over us. His yeah. wingspan can like wrap around <laughs> us three times, and he was just a massive human being. So to know that he put on eight pounds more muscle, like oof. 
Oof, yeah. Danny Dimes. I'm ready for it. Let's and see listen, it. And, and that is a stat also as long as with yeah. with how many times you get sacked. Mm-hmm. Also, that's another one that your offensive line affects that as well. Yeah. Not all of those fumbles were Daniel Jones's fault. I think right. we obviously all know that. And I hope, you know, that's been one of the main things he's been working on this offseason. Yeah. But those are like the key stats right there between these two guys. And I don't, I honestly do not think it's far off. I would have loved to have seen as much as I didn't want to see Eli Manning, yeah. you know, get benched. It would have been really fascinating to see what Daniel Jones would have finished with after 16 games. And then just to put it into perspective with Kyler, he had the same amount of touchdowns as Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had less passing yards than Baker Mayfield, who had a terrible season. Yep. He had a lower QBR than Drew Locke, Drew Locke and Gardner Minshew, even though they didn't play as many games as him. Uh, and he was the third most sacked quarterback in the league. So I essentially think that he stole offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I think mm. he stole it from running back Josh Jacobs. He was yep. my pick to win it. I think you could have argued that he stole it from wide receiver A.J. Brown. But this is about talking Giants. And I truly <laughs> feel as though Daniel Jones kind of quietly under the radar there yeah. was a very similar player to Kyler Murray. And they, which is funny because they have two totally different styles of playing mm-hmm. the position, but statistically they weren't far off. So Justin, yeah. I don't know, is, is Kyler overhyped or <laughs> underhyped? What's happening here? Well, here's what I'm thinking, especially now that we're t- talking about perspective, you know, hindsight's 2020 Kyler Murray you know, came into the NFL with a new offense that the NFL has never seen before. So yep. that's an advantage within itself, that that was an advantage the Giants had in 2018, is that, hey, you know, we haven't seen Pat Shermer's offense as it looked like, as it looked on the Giants and what it looks like with that kind of personnel. And nobody has seen, you know, Kingsbury's offense when it came to the NFL, especially when you combine that with Kyler Murray. So that's an advantage that they had. Kyler yeah, Murray yeah. also had a preseason. He had a training camp. He mm-hmm. was the number one guy. He got yeah. those reps. Yeah. Daniel Jones comes in. He's getting number two and number three reps all summer, mm-hmm. and he's getting number and he's barely even playing in the preseason. I remember there was the I don't know if you guys were at this game, but the, there was a game where I believe it was his first preseason game where it was uh it, there was a thunder and lightning delay, and oh yeah, lit it up, lit it up for his first yep. NFL drive during the preseason. Yes, there was yes. that big delay. He didn't come back in the game. Yes. And it's like ah, oh, come on. <laughs> so he didn't have that. Preseason, and of course, you know he's losing out on all those first-team reps, and he's losing out on, um, you know, the first three games of the season, which impacts him statistically and also just his overall development. But we're happy with where he is, and I love those numbers. That was awesome little segment there. I want to ask you one more question because this has been a theme that has been going on in your podcast for a few weeks now, and ironically enough, I'm getting starting to get a little suspicious. Uh Pro Football Focus, New York Giants page tweeted out something very similar today about a trend, the same little trend about Giants always hitting on their second round picks. So what's the what's the correlation that you found with the Giants always hitting on their second round picks? Give us give us the scoop here. Yeah, we have been talking about this. Okay, so podcast two and a half years. Katie and I have been talking about this for years on end. And it's something that it's a trend that like I look at constantly. And it's just Okay, the draft is a anxiety-filled, hype-filled, like, holy crap, what's going to happen? And I feel like the Giants the past couple of years, it's like, we don't know what's going to – it's like you have to wait until that last minute, that la- that first night, because you just don't know. Um, but I – like, we've been looking at everything. We've just been so insanely, like – like, I don't even know what the right word is, but it's like, look at the trends over the past couple of years for the second round. The Giants thrive in the second round of the draft. 
of course, here and there, you have someone like Jason Pierre-Paul that you picked in the first round that was super good for you. And obviously, Saquon, Daniel, this year. It's just like, it's obviously, we've got some good first rounders. But the second round, check out some of these names here. So this year, in particular, we have safety Xavier McKinney from Alabama. Like, hell to the yeah. The fact that we got him early in the second round was just huge. He was could definitely have been a first round pick, um, yes. for sure. Yep. 2019. Um Wait, I don't we didn't have, we didn't have a second. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say I was like that doesn't make any sense. I was looking at looking at my notes and I was like <laughs> we didn't have anybody. Um, so Will Hernandez, he came in the second round. You know that was huge for us. Um, you know that was the year that I think we were looking for linemen in the first round, but then moved to Saquon and went with Will Hernandez. Um, and I think that was a phenomenal second round again to get him that early in the second round. It was huge for us. Um, 2017, my boy defensive tackle Dalvin Thomason out of Alabama. Again, another huge pick, and he's been doing great things yeah. for us over the yeah. past couple of seasons. You know, I think he's one of those silent killers out there. I think so he, too. Yeah. 100%. Um, just just followed me on Twitter recently. Love him. <laughs> <laughs> I cried yes. when I cried when I met him. Hard hardcore cry. Yes, hardcore cry. It's not. I say this all the time. It's not always you get to meet your college like players that go to your NFL team and you meet them in person. Like, oof, to me, that's speaking of that. Um, we did in 2015, I'll go back to 2016 in a second, but I'm on a roll here. 2015 safety, obviously Landon Collins. Um, that was again, huge, huge pick prior to him. We did pick Eric flowers in the first round that year. So I think there was a bit of a, there was when he was picked, I know we're, if you're listening, we're all shaking our heads. And listen, I'm the biggest Eric Flowers hater of all time. Um, but everyone wanted to give him a chance. It's like, no. But when he was picked, there was a lot of potential. And there was a lot of shaking heads in the up-down way, not side to side. People we were happy about it. supposed to be that raw yeah. talent. But wrong But <laughs> a lot of people, again, very hyped about Landon Collins in the second round. And putting all the bullshit aside, yes, phenomenal pick for us. Then going back, so to 2016, circling back, we just said 2015, wide receiver Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Like, as much as Daniel Jones really clicks with Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard's going to be his, one of his number one guys. Like, yep. and we, I think the Giants, I'm very pleased with where we are at the wide, wide receiver right now. I think it's one of our very, very strong areas. You have a guy like oh, Sterling Shepard. Not I. I, I, I listen, <laughs> those, are two, those are two good players right there. Some teams don't even have any. So, Unfortunately, we don't. Calling out the Jets, calling out the Eagles, have no wide receivers. Okay, it could be worse. I just feel as though we don't it have. It could be team. worse. I don't I feel like we have a solid worse. number one guy. See, Justin, we're disagreeing with each other right now. Oh so. no, I love this. Is what makes a good show. It makes a good show. I love Keep it. Keep it going. And these are all second rounders, people. I'm reminding you, in 2014, offensive lineman Weston Richburg in 2013. I, I, you know what, my dad really liked, he was a big Richburg fan. Um, yeah. it, you know, I think for a while, obviously, and everyone can agree, the line has been just a disgrace. Um, he, he definitely was a player that showed up. It, right. it, and it, it, it kind of sucks when you're dealing with bad people all around you. <laughs> um, he was guy, but putting in the work, definitely that. 2013 defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins. I liked oh, Hankins God. too. Another guy. Um, and then wide receiver in 2012, Ruben Randall. I loved yeah. him. That's like, my Ruben. only, that's no, my only guy. No, I liked him. Wait, that's my only guy on the list. Did he contribute to the team? Yes. Did yes. he 
get yard? Did he fill up the stat sheet a little bit as like a third wide receiver on the Could team? Could he gotten yes. better in the second I round? Will, Probably, yes. Yeah, what I will okay. say is I don't like him going in the second round. Did he contribute to the team? Yes, but we could have gotten him later because he yeah. didn't play like a second rounder. So that's my only iffy guy on that. Yeah. Well, buckle up because here's a list of other notable second rounders through Giants history. I'm telling you, buckle up, people, because Katie, what jersey are you wearing right now? Michael Strahan. You can't he was a see second, He was a second round pick. Yeah. Michael Strahan. Uh, Linval Joseph, Terrell Thomas. Steve mm. Smith. I know Katie loves Terrell Thomas. Corey Webster, Chris Snee, my favorite OCU Manura, my all-time favorite giant. Tiki Barber, whatever, toss that one out. And Amani <laughs> Tuma. Love it. Uh, uh, and then uh, super interesting too. So we obviously, again, been very pleased with our first rounders over the past couple of years, would never take anything away from them. And then again, like a guy like Jason Pierre Paul years back. These are other first rounders that just prove that we thrive in the second round. Yeah. E- Eli Apple, Eric Flowers. This oh. sucks. David Wilson was a good player, but injury sucked. Yeah. I won't take anything against him. I do like him. William Joseph, and I know, Katie, you sent me the pronunciation before, but Ron Dane. Ron Dane. <laughs> was bad I know that was a bad pick right there and obviously I remember him but everyone listening needs to know that I'm horrible with pronunciations of names it could be the slightest letter off and I'm like uh how do you pronounce that (laughs) (laughs) so 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 the proposal I think the proposal here if if you're running the Giants or if you're right (laughs) under working right under Dave Gellman you're saying Dave just get a ton of value just get a crap ton of second round picks every single year trade away your first round pick even the third round, we haven't, we didn't dive into yeah. that, but the third round's been pretty good too. But yeah, that is our proposal, and we'd love to be in the war room with you. We'll try. Let's look around in the first round. We'll see what again. Like, listen, we got a guy like Saquon Barkley. Like, I'm all in there. But second rounders, guys, guys. In the second round, things aren't as obvious in the first round when you're taking a guy like Saquon Barkley. It's really like a crapshoot sometimes, yeah. and to mm-hmm. see that. We've consistently hit on the second round for years and years and years. It's very promising considering I didn't always love the way Jerry Reese drafted. I didn't always love the way Dave Gettleman's been drafting. But somehow there's not some shining moments for the Giants. And my favorite name on that list, Caitlin said it, I think I'm the only person besides his family members that have to call Thomas Jersey. And um, fun little... Fun little, quick, fun little quick story. Um, years and years and years ago, I had come back from a vacation in Cabo, Mexico, and I had bought a Giants Mexican poncho while I was there. And when I came home, I went to a preseason game, and I was so excited. It was the first time I wore my Giants poncho. I got up to go to the bathroom during the game. I came back. My brother told me, Katie, Terrell Thomas just tore his ACL for like the third time. It's your fault. It's that poncho's fault. You're never allowed to wear it again. So it's hanging never in my closet, again. but it has never been worn. The Mexican oh, you know poncho killed Terrell Thomas's career, and I'm sorry, Terrell. 
you know, I'm glad to hear that you two love. It's Terrell Thomas and O.C. Munira that I'm hearing that are the two ah. favorites. I love Terrell Thomas. I have some of his stats uh, on the back of my brain. Uh, name me a corner that has 85 tackles and 101 tackles in a season back-to-back. Terrell Thomas yeah. was a phenomenal tackler. He even had some seasons where he had some good ball skills with a couple interceptions, a lot of passes deflected, so very underrated giant, especially in 2009 and 2010. There's probably not even a need to draft a guy like Eli Apple if Terrell Thomas was on ah. the team and he was a staple. And then also Osu Munura as a 12-year-old in the stands at MetLife Stadium, I gave him the nickname the Stripper. Um, That's what he did. <laughs> because... He stripped the balls out of quarterbacks' hands so easily. It, it was like butter. It just yeah. – like he yeah. – oh, I love him. Ooh. All right. So Katie and Caitlin, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on. I want you to plug your socials. Plug because I know you're on a million different apps. You're on a million different places between Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter. So give the plug for everything and, and wrap us up. Okay, so we are the real football fans of New Jersey. So on Facebook, um, you can do facebook.com backslash RFFNJ or simply search at RFFNJ in the search bar. On Instagram, we are um, at the real football fans of NJ. That is our Instagram. Um, I'm constantly tweeting for us on my personal Twitter um, at Caitlin Brower underscore. And then our podcast is on all major podcast outlets, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, excuse me, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Um, and it's the real football fans of New Jersey spelled out completely. Yes. All right. All right. Thank you two for coming on. Go G-Men. We'll talk soon. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. A player on the Giants touched my butt. All right. We now welcome on to the pod two of my friends. These guys have been talking with them since I even signed up for Giants Twitter. It's Murph and the Mage of the Murph and the Mage pod. I don't know where they got the name from. I'll start with you, Murph. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. Just kicking off summertime, you know, just kicking back and enjoying the warm weather and uh, hoping for the football season to happen, baseball starting up, and me and Maze has been hard at work with our Dog Days of Summer series, so, you know, just chilling, man, loving life. What about you? Yeah, I, you know, I always talk about day oneers, and you guys have been, like, day one supporters and followers and, and interacting. Murph, I love you. You're like the bulldog of Giants Twitter, man. You just, <laughs> there's the been a couple Bradshaw. times where I, where I, D, I DM you, I'm like, hey, it'd be a real shame if you, uh, you went at this guy and then <laughs> mage i remember talking you know going to war with you with like daniel jones arm strength battles where people like you know you posting clips of him having 65 yard bombs and stuff yeah <laughs> but i'll uh i'll let you kick it off before we you know get into it murph and the maid i know you guys started it fairly recently i know you guys have been connected with us i think one of your first guests if not the first was our our guy anthony tomano and i know you guys were as close as with him as anybody I don't mean to get off subject on that, but I mean, tell us about the pod. Yeah, so Murph and the Mage, really how we intended it to be is more of a New York variety show. So even though it's predominantly New York Giants talk, we want to keep it New York sports related as well. So we also cover Mets, Yankees, Giants. Murph hates to talk to Jets, so we don't really involve the Jets too much. But, you know, Murph is a Rangers fan. I'm a Devils fan. So we get into a little bit of hockey, basketball also, Murph being a Knicks fan. I'm a Bulls fan, though. It's the only team outside of New York that I root for. But it's great having the show, being able to talk about different other aspects, not just being able to talk about football all the time. We've recently done fantasy football episodes as well. 
Uh, I talked to different fan bases too. When we first started this, one thing that Murph and I agreed on is that we want to get a lot of different people involved also. And I think, you know, we've really been successful at doing that. Yeah, I always hold out on shows to see if they're going to stay consistent because a lot of people start them and then they, you know, fade off, especially when they're guest oriented. But you guys have been consistent. You know, I listen to you guys pretty frequently. Uh, I enjoyed. What was the uh, the new? I forget his name. The, the the player you guys had on who was with the Dolphins. That was a pretty cool interview. I, I forget his name. Yeah, Montre um, Hardage. Montre. I knew it was Montre or Montrez. I, I kept on thinking of Montrez Harrell, the Clippers power forward. <laughs> uh, so, Murph, I'll kick it to you first. I know we wanted to talk a little about Daniel Jones. I know we're always going to war for the guy. Give me your thoughts on him after year one and going into year two. I've had so much anxiety over what we are going to do after Eli Manning for so many years now. It's just been something that's been building up for now feels like a decade. And for us to be able to transition like we did is just amazing to me, man. Um, Daniel, in my opinion, is everything you can ask for. He might not be the most talented person. He might not be the most athletic guy. He might not be. Well, I think he's the smartest guy. Um, But, you know, you get my point. The dude is a grinder. He's he has that it factor. I, I, I don't think we could have asked for a better situation for transitioning from Eli to the future of our franchise. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, man. And I every the arm is important. Accuracy is important. And he has all that. But I really think the most important thing is and it's the hardest thing to judge, especially from us from the outside is the mental makeup of a dude. Like, you know, like, I couldn't handle being an NFL QB. Even if I thought I would, even if I was smart enough, I couldn't handle it. Because if I made a mistake, I'd force the next play, or I would be in my head, or I'd be too high, too low. Whereas Jones, he was like Eli, where he's just that, that cold-blooded, like, nothing phases him. And that's something I think us, like, being within and, and in it every day can see, where other fan bases want to take shots and stuff like that, and... The, oh, he Absolutely. doesn't do anything special. And, like, that's kind of, like, the most special thing. That's what made Peyton better than anybody was not his arm, not his accuracy. It was the work he put in and, you know, uh, you know, just always being ready. Mage, what do you think of him? Well, I know you got a hot take. Yeah, well, Bobby knows, and Bobby mentioned this before we started recording, but Bobby and I have, Bobby and I have really been fighting this Daniel Jones battle from the beginning. Um, you know, just – and. Let's face it, not a whole lot of Giants fans were excited with the pick. But Daniel Jones really brings a lot to the table in terms of intangible assets that aren't going to show up on the statue. And that's something that a lot of people will overlook because a lot of people want to see the 50 passing touchdowns like Patrick Mahomes. And you're not going to get that from Daniel Jones, though. So, you know, when we were debating who the first overall pick should be this year, there was no doubt, no hesitation that it was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was everybody's consensus number one overall pick. Joe Burrow was everybody's consensus number one overall pick. So what is the difference between Daniel Jones and Joe Burrow, really aside from their college career? And I'll kick it to you guys. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that, Bobby. Yeah, I don't think there's anything. Um they both worked the middle of the field. That was the thing that most impressed me with Burrow was like, you know, a lot of times I can, and I was so scared of Haskins in 2019 because you watched him and it's not like that. Oh, he kind of developed. It was just, everything was like a drag route underneath or somebody that was wide open down the field. And then whenever he had to like use the middle of the field, he just, he didn't look comfortable doing that. Whereas Burrow did the, 
to the middle of the field. But I've been, and I've said this uh, a bunch of times, I'm a big believer that you shouldn't want, like if you want to be an NFL QB, going to these big schools is kind of like the worst prep for it because you, the LSU wide receivers are unbelievable. I mean, they had, um, you know, Justin Jefferson go in the first round. Jamar Chase, who I think might end up being just the best overall player in next year's draft. The running game, the offensive line. Then you had the Joe Brady as an OC. And it gets so much more difficult where Jones at Duke, not, you know, let alone has one of the best QB coaches in David Cutcliffe, but he's used to like having to drag a team, having to play under pressure, not having guys open, having, having to overcome drop passes. I mean, I did it at the end of the year. I looked at like, look at how his stats improved from college to the NFL. And it was simply having six drops instead of 38. Um, so I agree. Like, I, I don't think there's any difference besides the the stats and where they played. And you you put Joe Burrow at Duke, he probably doesn't even get drafted. And you put Daniel Jones at LSU, and he's putting up, you know, maybe not those numbers, but he's putting up numbers. Right, and yet everybody had a problem with Daniel Jones going six overall, but no one has a problem with Joe Burrow going first overall. And that was kind of my point with that hot take. And, you know, Joe Burrow's arm strength coming out, too, is also a question mark as well. He doesn't have a cannon for an arm. There are a lot more similarities between Joe Burrow and Daniel Jones than I think there are differences. Um, aside from basically Joe Burrow put up possibly one of the best college careers or one of the best college seasons of all time. Murph, I want to ask you this. What kind of temperament do you, would you rather have? And I know we, we favor Jones, but like that quiet, like silent killer, like never going to give you anything. Or Joe Burrow, who is, you know deservedly confident and cocky and will fire back a little bit and, and can be a little louder. Uh, obviously, Daniel. Honestly, I don't see that in Burrow as much as other people. I, I mean, I think he was just riding the high at LSU, but I know where you're going with that, obviously. Maybe Baker Mayfield's a better kind of um, example. But, yeah, definitely Daniel. I mean, Dan, he's just got that it factor. And, man, dude, the icing on the cake of this whole thing, and I think this, this kind of wraps up this segment, good is Daniel is was the most hated on draft pick besides maybe Lamar um, the most hated on draft pick from a quarterback standpoint and Lord how I have no how, no idea how long and I mean for him to come uh, overcome everything he's already come, overcome is is a win in my book and I think he's only got this the ceiling to go I mean in my opinion he's a game manager's basement so I think we have something in Daniel and I think he's a what the New York Giants need going forward. You guys are, get fiery. I want to ask you this. I'll, I'll start with, with Mage. Who is like pu- uh, public enemy number one of the media for you? It doesn't even have to be a Giants beat writer. It could be, you know, someone someone on the outside. Man, you know what? That's tough because, honestly, I don't really listen to them. Um, but if I had to, I would probably say Pat Leonard or Matt Labardo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, like, the, I it, like those two. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, how many times did they try to trade Odell, um, you know, before even the Giants did? I think they create stories to write about. And for me, that's that's my biggest problem with them, too. Yeah. Leonard, I don't really pay attention to. Lombardo, which is funny because, like, we really like Zach Rosenblatt, who's with NJ.com. And we talked with him. And I was like, man, like, I love your work. I think you do good stuff. I'm not expecting you to be a fan of the team. But, but I can't stand your working partner, Lombardo. Um, that kind well, of like set him, put him back a little. Bit. You also had Dan Duggan on, and so did we. Dan Duggan is also friends with Matt Lombardo. But I'll take um, Dan's word 
over Matt's a hundred times out of a hundred. I'll take Dan's over anybody. All right, so Murph, I'll send oh, it to yeah. you. Give me somebody national. I know you can get into it a little more. Was it a Orlovsky? Um, I don't it. know. I'm gonna keep it. Well, Orlovsky's just a dumbass. I don't think he's even. I don't understand him. Now it's not him. I just like to tear him up over that Daniel Jones. Uh, but for me, man, this is a good question because I was sitting here thinking about it. I think it's it's Evan Silva and Matt Miller, and the reason being Matt is Miller's for the a good one. hatred that they give the Giants. And it, you know the Lombardos and the Leonard's blow, but like they're trying to get paid. They're writing calls for us to click on, and we click on them anyways. But like, dude, these guys that just hate on our team for no reason, especially from like a scouting and fantasy standpoint. So I think for me, yeah, it's it's Silva and uh, Matt Miller. Silva, I've never really paid attention to. I think I think he like because he probably, I, as you fought, he probably blocked you. You should go yeah, check. That must be what it is because I don't think I've ever really interacted with him, but I've heard like people block like he blocks his people, and I'm I'm like fairly new to Giants Twitter, but I will 100% agree with you on Matt Miller. I can't stand him. You can just tell, and we've talked about it that. Nobody around the league likes him. Like you could, you know, he makes stuff up every single year. He leaks stuff out that's like that's not real. You could just tell he loves the attention and he'll do anything for attention. Whether oh, yeah. it's reply with your, you know, cash app and I'll give oh, you ten dollars or something. Like I can't stand Matt Miller. <laughs> you and me have made some connections that have told us that he is known as a clown around the league. So I mean, it's only uh, proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah. So now I don't want to do all Daniel Jones with you guys. And I got you guys on here for a few more minutes. Like, what do you see happening with this year and with Gettleman? Because I don't know if we, none of us like are really expecting a playoffs. You know, I'm, I'm a one and oh, 16 and oh, every week type of guy, but Joe judge and Dave Gettleman are off cycle. So what happens? What do you guys think happens with Gettleman if it doesn't go well this year? Cause I mean, I like his drafts, but like I said, when they um, fired Shermer, that's, it's just a dangerous game when you get the coach and the head and the GM off cycle. Yeah, well, for me, Bobby, and I've said this privately as well as um, publicly as well, but I think Joe Judge has all the makings to be a general manager and head coach. So I can fully see him almost adopted the same role that Bill Belichick did in New England. So for me, if Dave Gettleman is gone. Hell, it, it, let Joe Judge become the general manager as well as the head coach. Yeah, I mean, I don't know like what he has uh, like to do with you know player development, but I think if they were to move on from Gettleman, I think it'd be a similar situation with the head coach this year. Is that like, hey, you got to be like, like you you got to know that in those head coaching meetings, probably the first topic was what are your thoughts on Jones, and if they were you know in, like a ego heavy and they wanted to get their own guy then it was kind of like a like you're you're not made out what, what do you think murph anything under six and ten probably gets government fired honestly because murph's ration that's just what he does um but i do agree with Mage as far as roster control with you know i i think we've already kind of seen a shift in philosophy up top as far as dave running scouting in the draft well um judge is kind of running everything else uh, I could see maybe a situation where Casario could come in um, if Gettleman's gone, but I could also see a situation where Judge is the man if things. I mean, Judge gets us to seven and nine. Like, I mean, he's the king of New York in the last five years. So, 
Um, I mean, we're on the upswing in my opinion. So yeah, I think seven and nine. I think most people would uh would be like, okay, that that makes sense. Guys, before I let you go, one one last shout out of you know one where to follow you guys, and then two just another quick synopsis on what the show is all about. Yeah, no, appreciate you having us on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Uh, you guys can find me at One Murph Blue on Twitter. We also have at Murph and the Mage on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and our show is just New York Sports Talk. That's how uh, I think I sum it up the best. But I'll toss it over to Mage. Yeah, I'm also on Twitter at the Mage underscore NFL. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. So, Bobby, again, I thank you very much for giving us this time. Um, and look forward to maybe doing this again in the future. Yeah, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on. I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Uh, be good, fellas. I'm going to whoop your ass, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> welcome back, and we want to now welcome onto the show Frank Langella, one of the co-hosts of FAM Sports New York. Frank, I'll ask you how you're doing, but I want to give your show that you do with Mars a quick plug and describe why I love what you guys do First, Fam Sports New York, it's not just a giant show. It covers all of New York sports, and honestly, I think that's one of the toughest, toughest things to do, to not just cover one team well. Like, you know, Bobby and I have a hard enough time just covering the Giants well enough and covering all our bases there. But you cover all of New York sports. You have you know such a wide range of, of an audience, and you keep your audience engaged. I think it's one of the toughest things to do. I'll always say it, and you guys do such a great job of it. Definitely go listen to Fam Sports New York. Frank, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for the kind words. I was always a big fan of both of you guys when you guys were together and when you guys were separate. Um, and I really do appreciate you guys giving giving me a few moments on your show. For sure, man. Like you said, you know, we've both been on your show, like you said, even you know before you know Justin joined Talking Giants. Um, we'll, we'll get into a second, but I do want to know, like, what is Fam Sports New York and, like, how did it get started? Like, we, we're super interested in, like, hearing – like the origin stories, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be like some crazy thing, but I, I'm always interested to see how things you know, start. I wish, I wish I had a, you know, crazy story that led to the making of fan sports in New York, but it's me and my brother, who Marcelio, who he, he's the jet. So we don't care about the jet right now. Um, but <laughs> what happened is we we're both extremely passionate sports fans. And, you know, we used to be big ESPN radio guys. And for some reason, ESPN radio started to, you know, get real boring to us. And we were just like, you know what, why don't we start something? Why don't we, you know, it'll probably just be local, probably really small, but let's just throw our ideas out there. You know, we don't like the BS. We don't like to talk too much politics. We just like to talk about sports, all the New York teams, because we're both on opposite ends for most part, except basketball, but everything else we're on opposite ends for. And we were just like, you know what, why don't we just team up, talk about it? It probably will lead to nothing, but it ended up working out because, you know, we've, we've met some great people like you guys, like you guys. Um, that has helped promote our show. And we really just tried to get out to the fans of all New York sports that, hey, you can tune in once a week and just listen to sports, listen to takes, try to get you guys involved, whether it's taking your questions and stuff like that. But there's no elaborate, crazy story. Just one day I decided, you know what? I'm tired of listening to ESPN radio all day. Why don't we do something? Yeah, I like it, man. You guys work hard. I will say the thing I like about you is sometimes I can be sarcastic on Twitter and every single time you get it, like, I'm, yeah, you, know, you get people being like, oh, what are you what are you talking about? And I just I always I, I always love you in the comments. You always get me good with something in there. So I've always liked that about you, that you can 
at least understand my sarcasm when I listen. Twitter when is I like decide 90%. I don't want to ever do it again. Yeah, Twitter's like ninety percent awful, but you know, there's some moments that you got to just laugh it off and enjoy yourself a little bit. I think people take it too seriously. Yeah, I'm probably right in that boat too. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, Twitter's nuts. So we wanted to talk about the difference between the Giants and the Jets, since you know yeah. that is you know your podcast covers both, and that's the way you're different than most of the other pods we're talking about. Let's start at the top though. Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold. The fans yeah. like to debate it. I try to stay away from that stuff because I actually like Sam Darnold. Yep, I agree. Um, where do you guys stand as like a show on that? Is it more like, you know, you're watching like, you know, you're the Giants guy and you like Daniel Jones and then your brother likes, you know, Sam Darnold. Like what are some like pro like positives and negatives you have on Darnold and then the same with him on Jones? You know, you make a great point when you bring up hey you it, it's okay to like both and we're actually one of the shows that like both usually on twitter you have the jet fans buckling down you know daniel jones stinks keeps showing the jamal adams highlight and ripping the ball out of his hands and then you have the giants fans saying sam Darnold with the mono he can't stay healthy he makes dumb throws off his back foot but on our show we actually like both me and Marcelo both like jones and Darnold. and the difference the two i think both have just suffered from poor play around them i think Poor line play has really dictated some of the struggles that you've seen from, well, Daniel Jones only played one year, but Sam Darnold, um, I really like both of them, their potential. They're two different guys. For for Daniel Jones, I have a Matt Ryan feel to him, right? Not the strongest arm, but he's got good touch. He's a gamer, and he's not afraid to sit in the pocket, wait for things to develop, and, and take a shot under his chin to make big-time throws. And that's something you got to love. If I would have told you, Hey, your rookie quarterback's gonna have 24 touchdowns, a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio, and 62% completion percentage. Everybody would be like, "Wow, this kid probably is a, a superstar in the making." But I just feel that the fumbles, because of the poor line play, especially specifically at the tackle spot, causing these fumbles. You know, it's not all on the offensive line. Obviously, Daniel Jones needs to work on that. But those fumbles really, I think, hampered a tremendous rookie season. From Daniel Jones. As for Sam Darnold, I mean, this guy is—he's a bigger, thicker that guy than Daniel Jones. I think he maneuvers the pocket better, and he makes some spectacular plays when he breaks out of the pocket. But I feel both quarterbacks—I think New York is in a good situation where both guys can elevate their team. They have that potential, but they got to fix the online play. I mean, that's the biggest issue for both teams. The Giants have—hey, they said, listen, we're going to change it. I know a lot of people want a defense round one. They said we need to protect. Daniel Jones and help Saquon Barkley on the side. And even the Jets, they completely changed the entire offensive line. I don't think it's a finished product, but the goal, protect our young quarterbacks because they're the ones that are going to do what Eli Manning tried to do, you know, over the last 15 years with elevate our team. It was a very Jets pick, in my opinion, to to look at pre-draft. And now you can argue whether they needed that tackle or whether they needed a wide receiver and a wide receiver stack draft. But in my opinion, it was just the most Jets pick of them to just pick the biggest lineman out there who ran the flashy 40 time where, you know, you can make an argument that Becton was probably the worst out of those four. But I just found that to be so funny. But I want to I want to ask you this, because this is something that interests me, too, just from like a podcaster's perspective and somebody who covers, you know, who quote unquote covers teams. The differences between covering the Jets and the Giants two dysfunctional franchises, some could say, in their own individual ways. But how has been that how has that experience been covering those two different teams um, 
And which franchise have you viewed as maybe a little bit more dysfunctional than the other? Than the other? You know, that's a, it's another great question. I think they're both dysfunctional in their own way. For the Jets, I think the Jets have poor ownership, in my opinion. I think they've had it, you know, there's not times I could say, you know what, this is a well-run organization. But there are moments that you see them perform, as in they went to two straight AFC championship games not too long ago, right? But for the Jets, I just feel like, you know, they can't find the right coach. And it's been a problem for them for a long time. There's always this disconnect between their GM and their coach. For the Giants, I just feel like they haven't drafted good enough players for an extended period of time. So I feel it's more on the managerial part. I wasn't a fan of Pat Shermer. I think he deserved to go. I don't think the Giants have had great coaching or great coaching staff. But they're very similar in that you know they are both dysfunctional, but they have slight differences. I just feel like the Jets' ownership down has some real struggles. I'm a big fan of Joe Douglas. So maybe they change that. But now you see the Adam Gase. You've seen players come out, you know, I can't stand Adam Gase. And then you've seen some players say, no, I like Adam Gase. So you're seeing all of a sudden it feels like they got the manage part right. And the coaching is probably not there. For the Giants, I've always believed in John Mara. I know a lot of people are down on him. But he really cares. He truly cares about the Giants. And sometimes his loyalty to certain people is what is what hurts him. It's, it's not that he doesn't care. It's not that he's trying to rip people off for their money. I just feel like sometimes a little too loyal. He hangs on to people a little too long. But for the Giants, it's just, hey, they're lo- they were loyal to GMs that drafted horribly for an extended period of time. And people are wondering, well, how did that result in where the Giants stink? Now, that that's, is the result. When you have multiple years of having guys not even stay in the league, you know, you're going to end up being, you know, overpaying for veterans and stuff like that and free agency. So for me, they're both dysfunctional. It's kind of funny how Jets and Giant fans just rip on each other. Um, it's almost like they're staring in a mirror if you're really looking at win-loss record. But, like, at the end of the day, I think both teams are just, you know, somewhat dysfunctional. I'm praying. I think the Jets are a little more farther ahead, and they should be, because Sam Donald entering his third year than the Giants, who are a lot, I think, younger. Um, but I still I have faith in both units, and maybe I'm just being an optimist because I believe in both quarterbacks. I believe in... Joe Douglas, I still have faith in Dave Gettleman because of his drafting expertise. So I actually feel that they are headed in the right direction. I know it's hard to see right now, but I do have faith in both franchises. Yeah, I actually liked what the Jets did in the draft. I don't want to get too Jets talk, but like, I think I might have even said after the draft, that I thought the Jets had the best draft. You know, you had Beckton in the first round. Who was the wide receiver in the second round? Was it was it Brian Mims. Edwards? Who was it? Mims. Mim, Denzel Mims, yeah. the Baylor guy. He, I like him. You know, you got Ashton Davis with the Leonard Williams pick. Um, they, I, I thought they got a lot of guys. Now, also, I'm just biased because we, we looked at like a hundred guys, so like they picked yeah. like five of the guys we looked at. So it was like, oh, I like this pick. I like this pick. Um, but I, I like the Jets pick, and I do think, besides Adam Gase, I actually like where the Jets are. Yeah. I like Darnold. I'm not in love with Darnold, just because it's like, okay, like you know. This year, are you going to figure it out or is it just keep on talking about potential? But I, you know, out of that class, you know, uh, actually, I won't even include Lamar Jackson because he wasn't like talked about on them and he's obviously exceeded. But out of him, Baker, uh, Rosen, and then um, and Josh Allen, I actually probably would pick Sam Darnold going further, even though Josh Allen's shown the most. Uh, so, you know, they have like something good to look at. So I don't know. I, I think we just turned this into a Jets podcast, Frank. Well, no, we need to we need to bring down the Jets a little bit. So let's do that. I also love how the Jets uh, ignore 
how they have very good football players on their team and they don't like to extend their all-pro players to their second contracts. Cough, cough, Revis, cough, cough, Jamal Adams. But what they love to do is they love to give contracts to all-pro players in their mid-30s. Cough, yeah. cough, Ed Reed. Cough, cough, Frank Gore. So there you go. We uh, and Sladenia Tomlinson. And, and I will. I'll take a shot. I know my co-host is probably going to be you know watching and listening to this, but I'll take a shot at the Jets right now. I, I remember them laughing about Odell Beckham Jr. during that incident. And it's funny how the the tides have turned now to Jamal (laughs) Adams being the disgruntled player in New York. Um, Now, I think they're both different players. I mean, Odell got paid and then complained. Um, Jamal Adams is complaining to get paid. Um, So they are slightly different. But I do find it funny how, you know, they did laugh and mock giant fans about Odell Beckham. And now their guy who they call the Prez, you know, he was the number one guy on their team is uh, he's kind of turned the whole fan base against them. We talked about it the other day because Adele annoyed the hell out of me. And after the Josina interview, that's when I yes. – actually, after the Josina interview, I was mad. And then that following Thursday night game when he walked off before halftime, that's when I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm over this guy. But, I mean, for Adams to just be like flat out, like trade me. And uh, you pointed out that you thought it was a staged video, which I guess I'll make that my next question. What makes you think it was a staged video? I didn't see that anywhere else. Um, well, and then, I, then we'll wrap I saw – um, I, I do want to go back to the Odell Beckham. I know I don't want to die. No, go busy, for it. Go for it. For Odell Beckham, for me, the thing that you can't cross the line is this. If you throw your quarterback under the bus, that's where you cross the line. That's where the line is drawn. Odell Beckham, all the antics, you know, I put up with it. I'm sure you were, you guys just, you, you let it go. It, it annoys you, you know, finding the substance on the bed when he was during contract negotiations. All that stuff is really annoying. But the one thing you can't do is throw your quarterback under the bus. And I know Eli's at the end of his road, but it just sets the president that, hey, Odell Beckham threw his quarterback under the bus. And people forget, that's not the only thing he did. Everyone just talked about that. But he talked about not being happy in New York after he got paid. So that's a big yeah. shot to John Morrow. So that, that to me, that interview, and that's you make a great point, that was the end for me. Because I was like, you know what? All the other stuff we put up with, but you can't go saying, hey, I don't know if I'm happy in New York. I love California after you get paid. You can't throw your quarterback under the bus. You can't do that. As for the Adams thing, you know, I saw him take a picture with that fan who took the video beforehand. Um, so for me, it felt like it did feel a little staged. I mean, he probably brought up before that picture about Dallas. Um, so he probably got that answer off camera. Um, but it felt like it was something that they wanted to. You know, I don't know if it, how staged it is, but it just felt a little, you know, it didn't feel right. And how I don't recognizable like is Jamal Adams, too? I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> I, me neither, but I did see the picture. So that fan obviously recognized him on the street, took a picture with him beforehand. And then on the drive-by, where it just showed like, oh, hey, that's Jamal Adams. Are you coming to Dallas? Like, that didn't happen. There's no way that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knew who that was, who got in the car, and then he threw out the question. And then he, Jamal Adams stopped. So he knew he was asking the question and then said what he said, what he said. And I just I think Jamal Adams, I think he's a fantastic player. He has zero leverage. He's trying to manipulate leverage out of thin air, um, which is not going to happen. But all he's doing is creating Jet fans like my co-host, my brother, to say maybe we should trade him. Right. Because there is no leverage he's, he's creating. All he's doing is having the fans say maybe we don't like this guy anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, to go real quick back to Odell is, I, you know, I rarely write blogs, but I wrote a blog about Odell when he got traded 
and I like I went through each incident and I would go like, oh, explain that one or explain that way it went away. And then the Josina one went happened and I was just like, this makes every little thing yeah. bigger because it all Absolutely. led to that. I'll finish it off with this since we are doing a lot of Giants Jets crossover. Leonard Williams trade happens. What's the conversation like on Fam Sports? The conversation started, you know, when it first happened. I'll, I'll give it to him from my perspective. From my brother's perspective, it was finally we got some draft capital for this guy. We weren't going to re-sign him anyway, right? But for a giant perspective, for me, I was just wondering, wow, that seemed like a hefty price for a guy that was going to be a free agent. Now, I understood the bringing him into the room, right? You don't know what the other offers were. Everyone assumes, you know, every, every other team is going to come out after the trade. said There was nothing higher than a fifth-round pick for the guy, right? So every, every other official is going to say that although the negotiations are different um, behind closed doors. But I just thought it was a little bit of a hefty price. But when you think about it, anyone in the third round this past season, the Jets, who they picked in the third round, is he going to be Leonard Williams? And Leonard Williams is a solid player. He's not worth the 15 mil price tag that everyone was throwing out there that he was going to get. But he's a solid enough player where the odds are Leonard Williams is going to be better than that third round pick. He's not worth that sixth overall pick he was from the Jets, but he's going to be better than anybody probably if I were to put money down, if I was a betting man, than anybody in that third round. But I wasn't too keen on it. Um, I know, you know, we got the third round comp for Landon Collins, um, so it kind of makes up for that third round. But there was that wide gap. It felt like an attorney for the Giants to select um, and having that third round pick would have felt a lot better. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to rehash it all on our end because, you know, the day of I was excited because I was looking at all this Leonard Williams stuff. I'm like, really good player. But then the more as it went on, it's like, but why do we trade for him when he's going to be a yeah. free agent? And I and yeah. I get that there was probably other offers. Like, I agree with you where it's the hindsight. Like, oh, nobody was going to offer anything close to that. It's like, yeah, that sounds good. But I also was like, well, who's this? Like, were the other teams going to resign him? And is he good enough to, to you know, like get those rights but he is a good player. I'm glad he's on the team. No, he, here's here's how my brain works. Here's how my brain works. The draft passed. We were able to sit through our penance of our penance was waiting in between our second and third round yeah. pick. That was the, that was our penance. We did it. Leonard Williams is a good player. Once we get that contract negotiated down, we got a good football player, and I'm a big Leonard Williams defender. So you want to know what people who don't like him? He's gonna have a great year, and you just got to deal with he it. He improved. He improved again the Giants' overall unit against the run. Big now, let's yeah. not take it away. It wasn't a huge improvement, but it was an improvement. And the big issue, if he just if he just made a couple of those sacks where he was about an inch away or that the quarterback got out of his hand, like if he had those three sacks that were there, maybe we're not as critical of it because he was there. I mean, he had he was one of the lead leaders in pressures um, from where he from where he was rushing. So, you know, you kind of feel like, I don't know, it's just it's hard to it's it's real hard <laughs> to stomach that third round pick. But you just feel like, hey, you know, if you really think about it, is anyone in that third round going to be Leonard Williams? The odds are not. Yeah. But then we can't be excited about Matt Parrott, who was a third rounder. Frank, <laughs> we, we appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely have to do this again soon. Absolutely. Make sure to follow you guys at Fam Sports NY. You guys do a good job covering everything. You're level headed. You know, it's not like a debate show where you guys just fight about the Giants and Jets or Yankees and Mets all day. I enjoy it. Frank, thanks again for coming on, my man. Thank you, guys. I hope you guys have a great rest of the weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You too, man. Be good. I'm the best.
All right, and welcome back to Talking Giants. And we have on right now the two co-hosts of the Just Giants podcast, the Football Grump and the Cranky Fan. Now, fellas, I have to tell you, uh, I personally, I love you two guys. I really wanted to get you guys on this part and this kind of different show that we're doing this different on um, this different week and why I love you guys. And I'm going to hype you up a little bit because I know you're very humble and you're not going to do it yourselves. There are two certain things, especially when I'm looking for a Giants podcast, because I talk about the Giants enough. But if I want to listen to some other Giants stuff, there are two things that I kind of look for. Guys that don't take themselves so, so seriously, but also two co-hosts that genuinely like each other and they genuinely get along. And you two guys do it. And you've been doing it for a long time. You've been doing it since 2017. So football grump, cranky fan, how you guys doing today? Thank you for joining us. 2017, we've been doing that? Oh, my God. And we still have no Apple. And we used to have no sponsors, Grump. What's what's the problem? Well, I'm surprised I haven't killed you yet. I don't know. I don't know why you like us. If that's one of the qualities you look for, is two guys who like each other. I I could strangle him some days. I was gonna <laughs> ask because you know people probably think me and Justin get along, but we get into like legit fights, almost like weekly, <laughs> where we're going at each other's throat about something. But cranky fan, I want to throw it to you to get it. You know, I want to hear your guys' story and how this all started because you know you've been doing it for some time being consistent and that's what we talked about when we wanted to do this episode of getting people on who were doing consistent giants content and i mean you guys are right there with anybody as far as you know episodes of uh of your guys podcast yeah well we are as you might find hard to believe we are not media members by any stretch you know we are not <laughs> mike and the mad dog thrown together to do a show we are actually cousins and i am actually what 15 years older than you grump pretty old something like that <laughs> yeah it's only 15 <laughs> That's something like that. But, um, you know, we come from a very, very big family. And when you have a very big family, you know, you're close to some people and some people you're like, hey, what's up, man, at a Christmas party once a year. And we were kind of like, hey, what's up for a long time. And then at Grump's <clears throat> sister's wedding, we somehow started talking about the Giants. And all of a sudden we went from, hey, what's up to Blood Brothers and you know, we started going. To, I have season tickets to the Giants, so he used to go with me to every game because I was all the way like, "Oh my God, this guy knows more about the Giants than the Mares probably do." Like you, you guys listen to the show, you know, you know he is the he's the analytical one. I'm the emotional one. So we started going, and then we started having these long text conversations back and forth, like you know, before the game, after the game, and it was like in that exact same kind of format of him breaking things down and me being all aggravated or annoyed or happy about something, and I'd started doing a podcast about Florida Gator football. And I said, hey, you know, we could do this ourselves. Just throw a Giants one up there. And we said, sure. He came up with a nickname. We hit play on Skype. And since 2017, here we are. I like now I got to ask you, you said Florida Gators football. Are you a Florida Gators basketball fan, too? Absolutely. I am. Uh, my pantheon of sports, Florida Gator football and, you know, anything Florida Gators trumps everything else. OK, OK. I like that. Who's your favorite guy from that old, that basketball team? Is it Brewer, Horford, Noah? Is it Lee Humphreys or Walter Hodge? Off the, who's your favorite guy from that team? Because that's my favorite college basketball team of all time. Oh, the Joakim Noah is my favorite. I mean, the New York guy, and he was the essence and the, you know, the uh, the flavor and the spirit of that team. Um, I, when I was a senior at UF, we went to our first Final Four in '94, which was a miracle. You know, that was the miracle on hardwood, and then. You know, 10 years later, going to back-to-back winning national championships. And that team was a bunch of no-names when they first came. And then when they came back to the second year, I, I loved that team. I loved Billy Donovan. And 
you know, I'm probably the only person in the New York area who has and still wears a New York Knicks Joe Noah jersey. I like it. I like it. I love that team. Noah, I would say, was probably my favorite. But I went to high school with Walter Hodge, who was like the seventh guy, you know, the second guy sure. off the bench. So I was a big fan of his. But that Gators team, I could talk about them for hours. The fact that like the bet, like one of the they had what five guys get drafted with Richard off the bench, and mm-hmm. then one of the guys who didn't get drafted was Lee Humphreys, who was like the best shooter in the nation at the time. But we want to talk about Giants, not Florida Gators basketball. Justin, yeah, sheesh, sheesh, Bobby. I mean, gosh, you don't. <laughs> Anytime don't get Bobby started and brings that team up, I got it. Yeah, I got You can't, you can't get the cranky fan started on Gator stuff. He won't stop. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Same, same thing. Same thing with Bobby. Bobby was on talking sports last week, and he started going off about how Florida basketball, that Florida basketball team, was like the greatest basketball team ever <laughs> compromised. And I'm like, all right, relax, take it easy, Bobby. But let's talk some Giants football. Um, well, you guys easy. recently. <laughs> you guys recently had and you do this every year um you do this every year you have this kind of format of an episode where you go through the schedule and you put wins and losses in pen and pencil now if you want to expand upon that format if i didn't do a good job of describing it please do but i love that exercise because i usually hate schedule picking i hate going through the schedule but you guys take four separate episodes where you go through the schedule and you talk about each game kind of in depth, but again, not fully in depth where again, you're taking yourselves too seriously. So I want you to give kind of like your big picture macro perspectives on that exercise that you guys did through your four episodes. Um, and what you guys think about this giant schedule that we have this year, God willing that there is football, which we'll get to a little bit later, but who wants to start? I, I could dig it. Um, yeah. so a lot of times with with schedule stuff, people just kind of mark off W's and L's without really giving it much thought. But the the schedule plays so much into it. You know, uh, you know, playing with like with uh, momentum is a really big part of football. And teams get in grooves and they get in slumps, and and so much can go into those games. So we really like to look at things in depth when we look at that schedule, even though it's all kind of moot anyway, because. We don't know who the 53-man roster is. We don't know anything. So we, we kind of look back at it, and it's um, you know it, it's one of those things where we look at who they played the week before, how much time is in between. We look at travel. We look at who the other team played before and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and it's really fun. And we use, we use pen and pencil to determine um, how confident we are in what we're picking, not necessarily a score differential, but just – you know, how, how confident we feel about what we're talking about. And the, the best part about it is that we're doing it so early now that we like to hearken back to it as as the year progresses and as the season starts. And we can kind of make fun of ourselves for, you know, for our shitty picks there. And that, that, that makes it a little bit more fun instead of just straight up analytics. Yeah, basically, all we can do is take what we know at that time and then make our thoughts. You know, obviously, to Grump's point, you know, who's going to make the final roster? We can't factor in injuries. We can't factor in, is this game meaningless because they're out of the playoff picture? You know, all those things. It's all we do is take what we know now, and we sometimes we build our own narratives. Like, like oh, last week we thought that was an emotional win at Dallas. They're going to come back and do this, where we have these whole scenarios in our head, which could be 180% incorrect. So it, it's been a lot of fun, and we break down two games an episode now in the off seasons as we try to stretch out with the – Lack of content because of the, the COVID world we're in, but uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and we're usually almost always wrong. Mm-hmm. That's what I, <laughs> just, I, I just go sixteen that. and zero every year. I got a winner's mentality. I pick the Giants to win every game. Does that aggravate you when a guy like me is like sixteen and zero, like you're putting in your work, and then here comes Bobby with the sixteen and zero winners win, losers lose talk over the top. 
I, I just call hell, my book. No. Just bet the opposite. That's all. <laughs> yeah. No, man. I ever I walk into every game, no matter what the record is, what's going on, who's injured. I walk in thinking the Giants can walk away with a win. So I I'm I'm with you, sixteen and zero. I like it's, it. It's optimistic and, that, and, and pessimist that, crank. <laughs> and that that perspective is only more painful when you attend Giants games like you do. So <laughs> before but before we move to our COVID question, I kind of want to ask you, I'm going to pick at this a little bit more. Have there been any kind of like looking specifically at this Giants schedule? Have there been any kind of perspectives that you've been able to pull out of what you've kind of looked at so far in terms of maybe this is a rough stretch. This is an easy stretch. So um, any anything along those lines? Yeah, I think the whole schedule's thing. tough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we have to remember, too, that, you know, we're starting off. This is a team we, we both have very high hopes for, for a really great uh, final record. And we understand, and we've been very, very patient on our show for the last couple of years about the rebuild. And, you know, we're not jumping on anybody's throats to fire Dave Gettleman. That's one of our big talking points. So we understand the situation we're in that we're rebuilding. So, um, you know, there's that stretch where we play a bunch of division games with, uh, with I think Tampa Bay in the middle where that's going to be brutal. But again, and when we start talking about the COVID world, yep. what we know now is to be completely meaningless to what the reality will be in two weeks, six weeks, three months. So, um, it's not easy because we're not really a good team. <laughs> that kind of breaks down. I mean, we're going 16 now, so I'd say we're at least a little good. Um, <laughs> What do you guys think about now? This can make us look really dumb because we're going to put this out in a week and a half. What do you guys think about like the preseason? So you guys are diehards at the games. Do you guys go to preseason games? Do you value those four preseason games, or are you on the side of just cut it down to two? Cranky, I've, take it. <laughs> I've lived in New York now after living in Florida. I've been here for 20 years. I've had season tickets since the first year of the new stadium. I have never been to one preseason game in my life. Uh, that wow. doesn't mean I don't. I don't. I understand the purpose of preseason. I mean, there's two points. It's one revenue for the owners and evaluation for those roster spots for the coaches. But I don't, I personally don't care about preseason. Grump is our analyst. He's the one who breaks down film. He's the one who's looking at things and seeing it. So there's much more value for him. But for me, it's just, it's an opportunity for people to get hurt. And so I, I'll watch the first quarter and then I kind of like, I'll just read about what I need to understand. I'll attend, but I, I don't really feel the need to have to, but I will break down the film a lot. So I'll watch the preseason games two or three times, um, which is basically how often I watch the regular season games. I'm right there with you, Grump, and you get to see players that you'll, you know, you don't get to see, or it could be someone who, you know, maybe not be make an impact that year, but they could be up in the next year. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't know who Nick Gates was until he would have started in the regular season if it wasn't for preseason last year and him being impressive. So, I'm all in on the preseason. I love the preseason. Now, I don't go to the games. I, w- I was planning on going to one this year, but, you know, Corona messed that up. Um, you know, whether they have fans or not, I think we can all agree they probably won't have them for the preseason game. But, yeah, Grump, I'm right there with you, man. I watched the preseason game three times. I want to see what Rice and John looks like um, mm-hmm. out on the NFL field, even though he's never going to make the roster. Victor Cruz was the the reason I got super into preseason, and that sounds really stupid because I'm cherry picking something, but I mean, you couldn't pick a more unknown entity to a more fundamental part of a Super Bowl winning team than than that. And uh, you know, it was really important. Had I not watched that, I just would have read about it and 
thrown it away. And it would have been a whole year before we had seen Victor Cruz in, in a real Giants uniform. So, you know, it's really funny because I lived down in Tampa from 87 to 99. And up here in New York, preseason games just sort of happen. You know, there may be 35, 40,000 people at Giant Stadium and you know, a little talk about it on, on sports radio. But down there, they are treated like they are regular season games. You know, they're sold out. Tickets are scout for 100 bucks each. People get so fired up about, God, this offense is so vanilla, blah, 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 blah. So it's amazing in different parts of the country that, you know, how serious and how into they take preseason versus regular season. And My, uh, my first NFL game was a Tampa preseason game. It was actually the year after we won the Super Bowl, I believe. Um, so it was the year Tom Brady got hurt. It was Bucks versus Patriots in the preseason. I remember like it was yesterday. Um and I think a part of down in Florida is you have a lot of guys who like played high school ball in Florida. So you get like one of the great stories from Giants, you know, preseason every year is the guys from like Monmouth or or wherever where their whole family show up to that preseason. So those are pretty cool stories. But yeah, uh, I, I, I enjoy preseason. Justin? Preseason games are just, you know, for, for regular season ticket holders, those are the games that you give to your Aunt Susie or Uncle Tom. And, you, hey, go to a Giants game, enjoy and experience it. So I enjoy them. You know, the guys, uh, you know, trying to perform on a roster, yada, yada, yada. But that's 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 how we treat that's how we treat them in my household. So I want to wrap up and I want to ask you this. You guys have been talking a lot about covid. You guys have been talking a lot about the the repercussions of what's been happening, kind of like in our world, and our society. You've been talking a lot about it on social media and the podcast. So I want to pull some of your perspectives because Bobby and I uh, we're kind of we're kind of afraid to tackle this topic a little bit. You guys have been diving ahead first at it, and I've appreciated it. So to give me give me some takes, give me some thoughts. Okay, Grump, you can go first because I'm gonna have a big soapbox. Yeah, well, I mean. Initially, I had thought that the NFL benefited from being so far away from the start of this outbreak. And now as as sports have been canceled and they're trying to shoehorn their way into existing like the MLB is, I think they might actually be hurt by that. I mean, if the, if the MLB goes in and it's a colossal failure, which at this point, you know, even golf is being affected. If the MLB goes in and totally fails, I think the outcry for the NFL to just give up the season and let it go it becomes louder and louder and louder. And remember, now the Players Association has a lot of recommendations that you know maybe Tom Brady doesn't really care about, but you know there's there's guys playing for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not thirty million. So you know the more players start to band together against this, uh, I, I'm I'm watching the probability of the season just tank right now over over the last couple of weeks whereas you know maybe in april i thought there was a really good chance of the season happening just maybe with no fans um now i think the probability of fans happening at all is is close to zero percent as the uh, the owners just approved for the lower sections of stadiums to have just advertising on it yep. just today actually so or uh, well this will be a week and a half old news i guess by the time this airs but <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't want to sound like Nostradamus, but, and Grum can attest to this, that, you know, ever since this whole thing broke out in early March, I've been predicting pretty close to when this was going to start, when this was going to stop, when the second wave was going to start, the impacts and all this thing. And unfortunately, I've been really close to right on this, that uh, you're seeing the hot spots in places where places did not want to take it as seriously as other places did. And unfortunately, those are major places that are impacted by the NFL. That's where training camps are. That's where, you know, most of the college football goes on and everything. And this, this isn't like, well, 
Apple's going to close a couple of stores in Houston, but the rest of the Apple stores can be open around the country. You know, if the Houston Texans can't play, the league can't play. And I just see like, you know, this fall is going to be brutal. And I'm not bringing politics into this by any stretch, but the NBA is a lot more progressive than the NFL is. And the NFL is going to be, you know, the owners especially, and to some extent the players a little more, I think, more resistant to not, you know, to canceling the season because they, they see this as like a backlash. So I think they're going to try the hardest to keep their season going. But at the end of the day, I just can't see how they can have a season, you know, with these cases increasing. And, uh, you know, the chances of fans in the stands are, you know, 0.0. And I think having a 17-game schedule, a six 17-week schedule starting the week after Labor Day and ending at the end of December, I think that's like 5%. I think a 17-game season period is 10%, and I think having a season at all is 50-50 at best. All right, well, I'm just going to ignore everything you said because I liked you until this past minute, man. I'm, <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm positive vibes only with it. We appreciate you guys. Hey, where to follow you guys? At Just Giants Pod, at football underscore grump, at the cranky fan. Wish we could talk longer, guys, but we appreciate you coming on. Make sure to go listen to their podcast. They do a good job, consistent, like we talked about at the top. Thanks, guys. Hey, man, Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. This is Glenda Jones, and I need to talk to uh, Marty. Would you ask her to please call me? Thank you. All right. Welcome back. Welcome to Talking Giants. I am with. Giants Instagram personality Stefan, <laughs> aka Sneaky G Man. <laughs> you know you need to stop that. You're doing you're doing it better than I do. You need to stop that. So Stefan, <laughs> how first of all, how are you? How are you doing today? Um, I well I'll ask you that. But what I want to do is I want to introduce you to the people and why we're having you on. Stefan, like I said, he's mainly on Instagram and also on TikTok, does a lot of stuff on TikTok. And the whole theme of what we're doing with Talking Giants with this episode is we're having our favorite content creators on to have a little interview, a little 15-minute interview sesh to you know promote and also just talk about the Giants in general, talk about their pages. And Stefan, what you do and why Bobby and I, we love your page, is you combine the following. You combine Giants football, you combine family, and you're authentic and you're genuine on your page. Wow. And you, and you wow. form all of those things together. Family, football, and life, and you make all, you you blend those things beautifully. It shows up on your Instagram page. It shows up in your TikTok, and you're like I said, you're genuine and, and you're authentic while you do it. So we'll plug here. I'll plug your your again, Sneaky G Man. Uh, that is your that is your Instagram handle. You can go follow him on there. We'll plug some more stuff at the end. But Stefan, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us. You know what? I'm, I'm well. First off, thank you for that. Uh, and just so you know, the family that's in there, I just rent them. I just run them out. They're, they're not mine. Um, <laughs> they're for but, content. Uh, yeah, just, just for content. Uh, but still, they're an authentic family that I rent out. Uh, no, don't tell my wife I said that. Um, thank you so much for that intro. Um, you know, uh, basically the content I try to push out is positive uh, content, especially with what's going on today. Um, you know, I've been getting numerous uh, comments uh uh, and posts of saying, you know, thank you for taking me away from what's going on uh, in the world. Um, and also just everybody giving me positivity, you know, just saying, keep it going. Uh, we love what you do. And, and I'm excited. And I, I love it. I love meeting the people that I'm meeting online. 
it's just amazing. Yeah, and part of part of my back and forth on you know the quote unquote meeting people online is you know there's the real person in me that says, well, you can't actually meet real people online. But then there's right. the other part. Then there's the other part of me that says. Well, look at what you've done in the last two years since you've started this podcasting journey and all of the genuine or authentic relationships you've actually formed with people Mm -hmm. and all of the positivity that it's brought to not just like it probably will probably brings just as much positivity like to ourselves and the things that we do and the things that we produce to the people that kind of consume them, uh, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, that people actually like consume the things that we press post and the things that we put out. Um, So I want to thank you for having I want to thank you for coming on. Um, what, so tell us, so tell us kind of like how you started your page. We mentioned your family. You already mentioned your family. They're in a lot of your videos. They're part of, they're part of who you are. They're part of your page, part of your content, but tell us about maybe how, you know, why you want to start like a giant centered page and what exactly you do. Tell us more about you just in general. You know, it kind of, well, first off, I mean, I've been a huge giants fan, uh, since Phil, Phil Sims days. Um, and I know I've, I've said this to a lot. So people, I've, I've mentioned this a lot in the past. So whoever uh, hears this, it's not going to be it's going to be common knowledge. I'm originally from Arizona and uh, I'm like 30 minutes from the border of Arizona, Servista, uh, Service, uh, uh, Arizona, 520 in the house. Uh, that's the area code for those that don't know. And I just I just gravitated to being first. It was, like a, you know, Lawrence Taylor. Everybody knew about Lawrence Taylor. Um, and that's when I started playing flag football in elementary. That's what I wanted to mimic. But I realized I wanted a different position for some reason. And then I just gravitated towards Phil Sims and how he threw the football. And then just the love and the passion that I have with the Giants, it started. I mean, and then, um, you know, I watched a little bit of 86 Super Bowl. And, of course, 1990 was was an awesome year, although Hosteller finished the year because Phil Sims was hurt. And it just gravitated throughout the years. And everybody that comes a, across my path um, – you know, in life, they, that's the first thing they see. And when we won in 07, the, my phone, I mean, just the attention uh, or the recognition I got from my friends and family uh, of me being, I mean, it's like I won the Super Bowl, you know, um, <laughs> which I felt I did. I, I yeah. did win the Super Bowl. Um, and then uh, it now back to the page, it all started by accident because so I had Facebook for like friends like family members. So I was very personable. Facebook was like personable in a sense. Instagram was like this page for me to, you know, embrace my hobbies, Um, like playing Texas Hold'em. I go to a lodge uh, in in Denver. Uh, I'm a a Mason. Uh, And, um, oh, and, and, and on that, all the stuff, the conspiracy theories you hear about Masons, it's not true. We don't build UFOs <laughs> or anything. Just thought I'd throw that out there. But anyway, so but then when we moved to Dallas, because I was in Denver when I created the Instagram page. And but still, even in the early days, I had my, you know, I, I mean, every day I go out. This is how I go out. I have two sets mm-hmm. of clothing, work clothes and Giants clothes. And then when we moved here. I went into a Dallas Cowboys store, which I still to this day don't understand why they have a Dallas Cowboys store, even though I'm living in Dallas. I still don't understand that. But uh, and that wasn't even the first time I was in there. That was like the third or fourth time I was in there. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to record it this time and I'm going to share it with all my Giants family. 
Because at the time on Facebook, I was in like 30, maybe 40 Giants groups. So when I, when I, when I, you know, recorded it, you know, shared it with everybody and then shared it on Instagram, it just kind of took a life on its own. And then it was just like a natural progression. I mean, it just like, it just morphed into this, this Giants, uh, you know, but I still stuck with the family atmosphere. I mean, cause we're all Giants fans here. Yep. Uh, my wife, um, actually the first year my wife started rooting for the Giants was in 07. And, you know, she was she had a heart attack during the helmet catch. Uh, I wish I would have recorded that. Um, so but then, and of course, naturally, my son's a Giants fan and my daughters are. I mean, and then it just morphed and grew. And, and I'm just excited where I'm at right now with it. And why and Bobby and I said I've said it, I've said it longer than Bobby, but Bobby has recently started to really feel it with. You know our, our own our own base and what we're doing. We're doing what we're doing because of community. But what's awesome again mm-hmm. about what you do is that the community of why you did what you did. It wasn't established in the people that follow you. It was established in number one. Well, everybody's is established in the love for the Giants, but also number two, that idea of family, and that is what I absolutely mm-hmm. 100% love of what you do. So you mentioned that you're from Dallas. Now I need to hear this because you don't really meet a lot. You you have some you have some Giants fans in Dallas, but not oh. ones that have the two pairs of clothing. You have the work clothing and the Giants clothing, and that's <laughs> it. That's it. Whenever you're in public, you're you're out there in Giants stuff. So tell me, what is it like being a Giants fan in Dallas? You know, it, it's quite amazing actually. Um, I, I do love it here. Uh, it's great out here. And and Justin, to be honest, there is a huge huge Giants following out here. I'm actually a member of, uh, of a Giants group, uh, a Big Blue Wrecking Crew Dallas Metro. It's a uh, nonprofit organization. I mean, and that that is like a family organization right there. I mean, they do charity events, cancer walks, help out the homeless, uh, clean up the highways. I mean, just, just an all-around awesome group of people. And they, you know, for the weekend, and I have, I. I definitely, you have an invitation. Um, the weekend, obviously, if COVID wasn't here, freaking COVID, um, the weekend leading up to the game, and I can speak of last weekend, they had a, a meet and greet where they had Dallas Cowboy fans and Giants fans, which was okay. It was cordial, you know, a little, uh, you know, met up at a, at a bar or like a Buffalo Wild Wings type place. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next day was an all-white uh, Giants boat ride, which there's a video of that on, uh, on my Instagram page. And then uh, they had a party in the evening time. I didn't go to that because I'm old and 930 is my bedtime, Um, which that day I had the pleasure of uh, having dinner with license plate guy. Um, Awesome guy, uh, you know, down to earth. And what you see is is who he is. And and he's you know, I I enjoyed that. And he was even in one of my videos. He was a good, good uh, trooper on that. And then, of course, you have the tailgating with uh with the guys at the game and it would have been better if we won but hey overall it was an outstanding experience and uh and the one thing i will say living in dallas is sometimes i forget where i'm at uh i walk into say a kroger's or a tom thumb and i'll see like giant or giants i wish uh cowboy stuff and i'm like why the hell oh that's right (laughs) i'm in dallas that's right you know, I'm like, why is this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. And there's another another group, watch group that uh, is just, a, you know, a, a good place, good bar to go to to watch the Giants game. The owner is a Giants fan. 
great atmosphere out there. Um, I was actually surprised. I was actually surprised because uh, I've been to I lived in Seattle, Denver and here and here, I would say. And Denver got a good group, too. If you ever go to Denver, let me know. I can get you uh, get you a good contact and Phoenix. I can get you a good contact out in Phoenix as well. Yeah, that's awesome, because one of the more unique things about, you know, having, you know, having either page number one, being a Giants fan, but also just having pages uh, centered around, you know, the Giants is that, you know, you we have really connected with people all over the world, all, all over. over the world, because New, New York over. is global and the Giants are global as well, just because of the storied franchise and whatnot. But you you said you've been to Jerry World, right? Not yet. And not, oh, not, not yet. yet. Uh, not yet. But I mean, I went to the AT&T Stadium. Yes, I was there. Oh, well, um, I, but, I need but, to hear I need to hear quickly and briefly because that is no, no matter how much we can't stand Jerry Jones and no matter how much we can't stand the Cowboys, you know, it that is, that is a it's a wonder of the world, that stadium. So I need to get out there. Huge. So tell us how it is. It's it's uh, I mean, by far, it's an awesome stadium. I'm just going to call yeah. it like it is. Um, I've been to CenturyLink. Uh, I've been to um, Mile High. And, of course, this one. Uh, now, I will say for the better experience, go to CenturyLink. Uh, I highly recommend go see the Giants in Seattle. I was there. I, I mean, and my son was there. He, that was his first game. Uh, that's crazy. Um, Mile High was great. The only negative, I'll, only negative thing I'll say about AT&T Stadium is that there's no way for fans to interact with the players. Mm. All the other stadiums. You know, you can go down to the like the lower levels, get autographs, kind of interact. That's I mean, in Denver, I met Steve Tisch. I got I got his autograph and I met David Tyree. Um, I met uh, oh, uh, Jesse Armstead. I mean, just it, it kind of blew my mind. I Sorry, I, I had to relive. I reminisced that moment. But um, yeah, just just that. I wish there was a way that we could go down in the stadium and uh, get some autographs. Other than that, it's a, the, the TV is huge. Yeah, I mean, you, you do catch yourself just watching the TV, and you're like, "No, I paid 200 bucks. I'm gonna watch the action <laughs> on the field." You know. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, and awesome. Par- and parking's ridiculous, though. It's it's expensive oh. for the parking downstairs too, or down it's, in that area. It's twenty seven dollars alone at MetLife, so I can't imagine if it's if it's even worse oh, if it's even uh, worse it's than that. It's a hundred bucks. Oh my god. Oh. Easy, easy, easy. Hundred dollars. The closer you get, the more it goes up. Oh yeah. Hundred dollars. Oh my god. Matter of fact, Justin, if you get a chance, go to one of my videos. I actually met Zeke Elliott's dad. Yeah. Uh, in um, at the Double Tree, because I was hitching a ride, catching a bus down there. Yeah. Uh, well, Zeke, people, Zeke Elliott, Zeke Elliott's gonna have to give a twenty-five percent of his new contract to his father to pay for parking dude, for the, at the game. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Stefan, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here quick. I want you to I want you to okay. give some of your impressions on the Giants coaching staff. We want to, so it's awesome to hear you know it's awesome to hear, we got to hear about your page and hear about what you're doing. But right, we hear right. we got to we got to talk a little bit of Giants. So yes, give do. us some of your overall some overall thoughts on this this new coaching staff. How you feeling about them? You know I'm I'm ex- extremely uh, excited to, just to hear Coach Judd speak. Hmm. I mean when he talks, it's like I wanna I wanna run through a wall. I mean, it's yeah. just so uh, – it's just – and, you know, not only does he speak it, but there's just this vibe about him, this aura. And I really hope that, that the, the players buy off on it. Um, I, I really hope that the players can embrace him, which I, I know they will. And 
I'm, I'm very confident that Judd will put a, a, a good product on the field. And when you go down to the, um, and I don't want to go down to the other coaches, but the, the, of course, Garrett and uh, the defense coordinator, please help me. His name always escapes Patrick Graham. Yes, yes. Um, I, first off, let me, let me go with him. I love his philosophy. When he was asked the question, are you doing a 3-4 or 4-3, he was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, that's, that's brilliant. Yep. He's going he's to tailor the defense towards the, the team and the opponent that they're going against. What better way to attack a team? Because then no team can prepare for what the defense is going to put on you. And um, I think the defensive strategy is going to be more, more tight, more, more crisp, if you will. Um, and I just like it, to reflect the game, the Dallas game that I was at last year, Dak had a clean uniform. I really believe it's going to change this year. And that's just with the personnel we have right now. Yep. And now with Garrett, okay, he was somewhat successful as a head coach. Um, but as an offensive coordinator, I mean, what was he, top five in offense or top ten in offense? Yeah, uh, yeah especially with, in the early Dallas days, absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, he's going to help with uh, with Daniel Jones' uh, progression, uh, help him prepare. And then, of course, the offense is tailored towards Barkley. I mean, it's. I mean, we, we should be like – Foaming at the mouth right now, as Giants mm-hmm. fans. I'm absolutely. excited. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, can't help but be excited. So once again, go check out Stefan at Sneaky. It's not G-Man on Instagram. It's Sneaky G-Man on Instagram. And then plug your TikTok. Is your TikTok a, a similar username? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it's Sneaky G-Man 11. And also, I do have a YouTube channel. It's on there. And... Uh, uh, what else? Of course, I got my Facebook, and if anybody wants my MySpace, just uh, send me a link, and I'll uh, I'll forward that to you. I can't find the password on it, so but I still have my MySpace. <laughs> That's awesome, Stefan. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Go G Men, go Giants. Do you should you should do the outro because okay. I love your I love your outros. Hey, let's go Giants. <laughs> yeah, well, I might kill you one day. All right. Thank you, everyone who came on. Make sure to go follow them. We'll probably do one tweet where you can go follow all their socials or, or something. I don't know what we're going to do. But make sure to go follow them um, and tell them you enjoyed enjoyed uh, their time on Talking Giants. I know this is kind of a lull this time of year. And we'll be back on Thursday, I think. We're doing a, a different type of episode as well, Thursday. It's, already, it's going to be recorded like five minutes after we finish this ending. So we'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.